0: Welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast.
1: Starring Chris Brockman. When it comes to determining the, the favorite team of your kids, your kids really don't have free will unless they're actively rebelling against you. But you know what? I really didn't like my dad, so I started rooting
2: for the Dodgers. Chris Law. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Martini <laughs> in and three olives in it. It was a hot day, so I went to hydrate myself at the at the bar, and he walks up with his martini. He goes, Barry, Barry, they tell you this drink was for me? Barry goes, yes, Mr. Pesci. He goes, it's f***ing awful. <laughs> do I make eye contact? Do I keep looking forward? I, I just don't know what to do. And then he looks at me. And he goes, nice
1: f-ing beard. <laughs> and here is your host, Rich Eisen. I mean that is that, is that is so incredible. Uh, welcome to the Rich Eisen podcast. No, no Rich Eisen today. We're Without taking over. Rich Eisen, uh, the, the two Chris's, myself, Brockman, Law behind the glass. We're kind of taking over uh, this week. Rich is um, bowing out. And so we're doing a little bit different, Well, We're going to do a
2: best of. Yeah, I thought it would be a good idea if we put together, you know, we've had so many good episodes uh, over the three and a half, or actually almost four almost years four, now. Almost too many to count, uh, of, the, really. of the podcast. So went back, I cut up uh, a couple of short sound bites, you know, stuff from 30 seconds to a minute and a half. And you dipped
1: way back into the archives. Way
2: back. Went, went back as far back. I actually have the dates on everything as well. In case you, you like a little excerpt of what you heard, you can always go back and, and then download it. I think the, we go as far back as September 22nd of 2011, which we'll get to that one in a sec. But before we do, just a quick shout out. Uh, that open came courtesy of uh, Ivan Nitschevich from where was he from? From Sweden.
1: Well, there's no doubt you screwed up his name. That that open is is just just beyond beyond epic. I think we're
2: definitely going to be talking about that. You know, 30 years from now. Yeah, uh, I, I love the open. The way it's cut, it makes you sound like you don't like your dad, and I say the F word twice in the open. Right, and the funny thing is (laughs) it makes
1: me seem like I'm a Giants fan, which I'm not. If you listen to this show, uh, I'm a Red Sox fan. And so in that analogy, I would have said, like, my dad doesn't even like baseball. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, But but I
2: was just using it. Uh, Was Colin Hanks here that day, or what were we talking about? I I, I think it was whenever – it was actually when I was gone. I think that's when I was in New York for a site survey. Oh, Rich and you guys was, were talking about Rich's kid. Yeah, Rich was talking uh, about Xander being
1: his, on the Red Sox for his t-ball team. Yeah, he's got a yeah. And Rich was I, really I worried. So. Rich was really worried that Xander's going to grow up not liking the Yankees, which is Rich's, uh, team. Rich's and, team. And
2: Susie loves and the Red Susie's Sox. And Susie's whole
1: family is from Boston and has gave Xander tons of. Uh, Tons of Red Sox gear growing up. That's really funny. Yeah, I just like that I have top billing. I'm like Peter Dinklage. <laughs> I have I have the first uh, first name on the. Well,
2: after Rich got scoted we'll, we'll steer clear of any spoilers, but. What an episode, last oh,
1: week. Oh, what, Ray Rich got uh, scolded for what?
2: Uh, you know, people people saying, spoiler this, spoiler that. You can't be talking about it.
1: Oh, yeah, I guess we, we won't talk about it, but this week's Game of Thrones was fantastic. Oh, oh two left, can't wait. Usually uh, in this show and other shows of, of recent years, the big thing happens in the penultimate episode, and I think we're finally going to get the trial by combat coming up. Uh, in two weeks, no episode of Game of Thrones this week for Memorial Day weekend,
2: which is a major bummer. But uh, just a little NFL tie-in to Game, th- Game of Thrones. The uh, the character of the Mountain was introduced right.
1: last week. Well, and, no, he, uh, the, the Mountain's been around since season one, but he's been played now by three different actors. Yeah, the guy that's and playing So the him latest now. actor playing the Mountain,
2: six foot nine. He's literally he's literally pounds. a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> he's th- so giant. The guy's uh, last name is uh, or his name is Thor Bjornson. And apparently the Colts looked at him last year yeah, Ursa, for, for a tryout yeah. for, for the team and said they opt for Trent Richardson. How How do you not sign that guy? Oh, he, His uh, his Instagram, um, Dan Hansis of Around the League, wrote a little article and uh, they, they linked back to his Instagram. And the man is just... Uh, He's like Magnus Ver Magnussen.
1: Right. You thought Vince Wilfork was a run stopper in the middle. This guy is nine inches taller and has 60 more pounds on his frame than Vince Wilfork.
2: Insane. Some other news just kind of around the league. The big big story of the day, obviously, is Super Bowl uh, 52 going to Minnesota. Super Bowl
1: 52 in Minneapolis. Speaking of the North. If you build it, they will come. Wow. Uh, Build a stadium, get a Super Bowl. That seems to be... uh, That seems to be the theme. Yeah, the
2: folks down in the 619 could certainly uh, use that because there's no reason that San Diego shouldn't be in the rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Other than the old stadium. Uh, A
1: lot of people tweeting out uh, Farmers' Almanac uh, links to average weather uh, in mid-February or early February in Minneapolis. Uh, so I saw a lot of uh, negative 20 tweets well, we th- saw today. a lot of
2: that with the New York Super Bowl and look at it, it was what 48 but Minneapolis in February yeah. yeah the game's indoor I mean look I went to the, my first Super Bowl working for the league was going to the one in Indi- Indianapolis and I had a tremendous experience that that the downtown city was so close together which we know every year from combine well the
1: great part about indianapolis is everything is connected by yep. the walkways, walkways so you don't tunnels, you don't even yeah. really have to go outside if, yep. if you don't want to
2: but uh so that that puts it at super bowl 49 uh is in glendale arizona 50 is in santa clara san fran 51 is in houston and then 52 up in uh, minneapolis
1: there you have it
2: wow and by the way not the first super bowl in Minneapolis, Super Bowl uh, 26, 1992. The right, that Redskins, was uh, thirty seven. Right? Bills, right. Bills twenty four. That was
1: Thurman Thomas forgetting his helmet on the sideline. Yeah, I think. You, MVP of that game. Well, Mark Rippin. him Rip yeah. Baby. And his daughter is a lingerie league quarterback right now. Hey now,
2: hey now, did not know that. But uh, <laughs> and uh, then uh, what, also
1: big news today: uh, expanded playoffs. Roger Goodell said. Looking, uh, looking likely in 2015. Yeah,
2: definitely not going to happen this year, which is good.
1: No, schedules are set. TV, you know, TV times are all pretty much locked in. So 2015 with the addition one team per each league, it looks likely. I'm still on the fence. I really like the exclusivity of the NFL playoffs. As do I. And, you know, if you look at if you look at the NBA playoffs, which are going on right now, the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are going on right now, more than 50% of the teams in both the NBA and the NHL – Make the playoffs. It's, it's like, what's your problem if you can't make the playoffs? Whereas the NFL, it's so tight, 12 teams each year out of 32, 20 teams looking on the outside looking in every single year, but yet you still have that turnover
2: from year to year. I'm just afraid, you know. At some point, the bubble's gonna burst, and, and so we, ha- you, we have such a good thing right now. You're
1: buying into the Cuban I, aspect I, I, of I it. I buy a into. Bit. At
2: some point, you can only raise prices, and then because see- season ticket holders, you know, if you if you want your season your your playoff tickets, you have to buy those in advance, and you know the product product is so good right now. Why, why not why
1: constantly not? tweaking, constantly tweaking? That's Look, what, that's what the NFL improving always and, does and getting
2: better. But you also have to know when you have a good thing and you should just l- let it rest. Well, I thought the
1: funniest quote of them all. And <laughs> I guess it didn't surprise me when I heard uh, when I heard the quote and then heard who said it. Uh, Jerry Jones saying, of course, he's in favor of the expanded playoffs because. You know, at 8-8 eight eight every year, Dallas now has a better chance of making it. <laughs> Did he say He said that? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, he said that. He's like, of course, I uh, I can't do a, a good Texas accent. But, uh, by the way, thank you for all those tweets. Got a lot of tweets about uh, <laughs> Rich's Jerry Jones phone call uh, oh, from, yeah. from those, last week.
2: Those were th- – that was great.
1: But Jerry Jones said, uh, oh, yeah, of course, he's for it because it, it helps his team.
2: Well, by the way, uh, just kind of speaking of NFL.com and that uh, – your article got up did, did you get any reaction oh yeah any, yeah any, yeah any fans I got there? Uh,
1: you know the funny thing is so uh, so I did 32 teams of uh, 32 draft slots I did the the best pick of the last 10 years and the worst so 64 64 slots uh, you know that I ended up writing about and I got so much grief really on like two or three of them so if you do the math
2: well Josh Freeman won for me was a little well, bit tough
1: that Josh Freeman was the one but Josh Freeman threw for 4,000 yards in this league and won 11 games and took his team to the playoffs. I think it's a little early to call Josh Freeman a, a gigantic boss when, when you look, who, who else was in there? Um, but but you know, the
2: back story to that was... Well, there's you, only one you, or two. You wrote the article... You were you know you were hawking it here, right. here, here right. Uh, on here and then I I, I read it. I thought it was good and it's something that I knew would would do on the site so we, we yeah got...
1: threw up a little slideshow came out came out cool uh, it up I, people on people took <laughs> people people took issue to me calling the bus burger flippers <laughs> which I mean people stop 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 being so serious about everything I I I too once flipped burgers back in the day I'm not burger flipper shaming. <laughs> People, all right. Oh, you
2: got flack for, oh, for
1: ab- absolutely. <laughs> for Let, let's have a sense of humor about everything. So you're opposed
2: though. to the raising of the minimum wage for.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just.
2: <laughs> but uh, so no. B- back to the episode at hand. um You know, R- Rich is taking a, l- a little break, obviously after a three-day run at draft that was insane, and then coming in and ra- wrapping things up. So, as we said at the top of the show, we're going to kind of play back some some of our our fondest memories from o- over the years a couple that we'll get to a little later where we're going to play extended versions um that just stand out in our mind was uh for me in particular coach bill courtney the coach of the manassas tigers um brockman I you remember that when he oh, came in
1: so awesome they
2: went on to win the documentary we're going to play about a 15 yeah. minute portion of that oscar interview.
1: winner for doc uh, best documentary yeah and, um
2: um, Peter Berg, 2012. Peter Berg came in, uh, didn't really care to talk much about his movie. Wanted to talk more about, uh, we got into some great Friday night light stuff. Yeah, and then-
1: Peter Berg was in here shilling battleship and didn't want to talk about battleship.
2: Apparently he must've known something. But- right,
1: but let me tell you what. One of the best bad movies I've seen in some time, it is always on HBO, and no matter what I'm doing, I stop and watch. (laughs) It's one of those? I mean, you got Tim Riggins, you got Brooklyn Decker, Rihanna, Neeson, Rihanna, you got uh, Landry from Friday Night Lights, Uh, uh, you got- Jesse uh, Plemons. You got Eric from True Blood, uh, you got, uh, I mean, great cast, a friend of the podcast, Jerry Ferrara's
2: in it, uh, great cast. Speaking of Jerry- uh, Jerry will be in next Tuesday. I talked to him. He's coming in next Tuesday. He's going to talk about uh, a little Giants draft. Odell Beckham. He's got Think Like a Man Two coming out. That's right. And an he, Entourage movie. And he coming just out. shot the Entourage movie. And he's playing, uh, got he's playing uh, Gotti, right? Um, uh,
1: yeah, Arturo Gotti. Arturo Gotti in yeah, a boxing the boxer. biopic. So. By the way, if we can't parlay uh, that into an invite to the Entourage premiere, we're it, doing something. We're doing something wrong. We're doing something
2: <laughs> wrong. <laughs> We've got to get over to Fat Sal's at some point, too. Oh, but, fantastic.
1: Um, for, We're all over the place right now. We are. Let's, but, let's get to it. But this
2: entire episode is going to kind of be all over the place. What we'll do is we'll let you know the date of the episode. And you, if you ever want to go back and listen to it, go for it. This first one, just, just very brief. It's from, um, we've, had, we've had Charles Barkley on the podcast a few times. And uh, if you recall, a few years ago, he got into a challenge with, uh, with Dick Pavetta, where he, he raced Dick Pavetta.
1: The longtime NBA official. Yeah, the long. Who was what? Seventy-two at the time, I, I, maybe. Uh, no way! Definitely, I would say in his eighties.
2: In his eighties, and 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 Barkley, you know, being Barkley was was loud and talked talked trash to him. So Warren Sapp started talking a little trash to to, to Charles, and then uh, Rich brought up the fact that that Warren uh, said he could beat Charles in a race, and Charles didn't take too kind to it. Uh, this is about a thirty-second clip. Here you go.
3: I was highly. Highly offended Uh-oh. when Warren Sapp thought he could outrun me. I'm not sure of anything in life, but i bet anything in the world that Warren cannot outrun me. Anytime, any place, I'll be there. Really? Warren Sapp is a big fat defensive lineman. He cannot run outrun me. I guarantee that.
4: And it's anytime, anywhere where we could is it forty yards, any distance? I mean, what what have to run
2: low so it's got to be a sprint. <laughs> so, uh, to add a little context to that. So, when that happened, that's when we had the the, the TV show. I think Spoon was still involved then. This was, No, no, that was me. I re- no, you, you were there yeah, for this. Yeah, yeah, I was there for so this. This was in September and we brought it back up. I, I want to say it was like week 10 of the season. Uh Thanksgiving had come around and there there was there was some reason why why it got brought up. And then we were this close to having Charles come to the, to combine. the combine and race sap. to race up and like make this happen right. as part of the combine special that year.
1: Right, I do remember. And then
2: that. it just kind of all fell apart. But just one of those behind the scene things that that one's always stuck with me. Like, By
1: the way, and I w- I remember being one of the only people who thought Charles would win. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was one of the few guys on Team Barkley.
2: And then Rich told you to uh, to make sure to not run into sap in the halls
1: right. after that. Right, and I avoided sap for a solid year because uh, of that.
2: But, no, we've had Charles on a bunch of times uh, since, and obviously it's actually been a while since we've had Warren on. we got to get him back in, I think, when he it's, got inducted. It's been
1: a while. Uh, Warren, I feel like, no, Warren invaded when we had John Lynch in.
2: He's invaded a lot. Warren is a good runner-inner. We used to do Sap, Strayhand, Strayhand, Sap. We brought that back together. Um, then those two went off the rails at each other, and then they got back together. No,
1: no, Warren invaded a podcast up here in the studio once also. Yeah, that's right. But I can't remember who it was.
2: Well, we had Olivia Munn in the other studio as well. and uh, That's right. Arakpo got there because Arakpo was our oh, next guest. Oh, that's true. And, then, and Arakpo
1: had kind of a posse and they were all because <laughs> she went to Oklahoma and Arakpo went to, to Texas. Texas. Yes. So a little red river shootout right there yes. was happening over there in the, in the VO booth.
2: Exactly. Have
1: you seen these rumors where she is reportedly dating uh, Aaron Rodgers? No. Yeah. That's, that was hitting the old uh, gossip blogosphere.
2: Did not know that
1: one. over the weekend.
2: Wow. Hmm. News to me. Um, so yeah, obviously Barkley. Uh, 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 I mean, he's crushing it on on the TNT post right now.
1: Oh, absolutely! Did you see? Did you watch on uh, on Monday night? Did you watch the Spurs Oklahoma City game? I
2: I had our basketball. We we play in a weekly basketball. Oh right, game okay, and, that's uh, right. I was there. You had to work, so you weren't you weren't there that week.
1: Yeah, uh, Barkley was going off on San Antonio about. Uh, he was he was eating churros and ice cream, <laughs> which I can't really blame him. Both both those treats are very delicious.
2: All right, so if you want to go back, that's from September twenty second, two thousand eleven. Uh, another one from from two thousand eleven. A uh, couple weeks later, we had the Sandman in studio, and this was you, you were still. This is when you were. Just this was the my last episode before before you went before I went to Thurs to work
1: on Thursday night and Michael Hayden was and coming Mike, in Michael so we Hayden had another
2: television in. producer kind of rotating in. Um, the Sandman in studio is one of our first big in studio guests to come in for the TV show that we Absolutely. shot on, on a sound set, so it was pretty cool. We got to you know we had him out on the stage
1: and that wasn't even part of a special or anything. We just had him in and was like Adam Sandler too big we have to shoot it on the stage
2: yeah so he was in to promote jack and jill at the time
1: oh i his, forgot about that movie
2: his his movie that was coming out after jack and jill was that's my boy and it had leaked that rex ryan jets coach was in that's my boy and not only was he in that's my boy but he's a diehard patriots fan and that's my boy <laughs>
1: that's right he plays a lawyer adam sandler's lawyer in the movie so we're
2: kind of in a tough spot of you know the Sandman's in to promote Jack and Jill, but as all we really care about is the NFL, <laughs> is we want to hear about this Rex Ryan and shooting with Rex Ryan. And the funny thing is, 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 is I think most of our listeners know, um, DP Dan Patrick has has been in what the last ten, twelve. He
1: yeah, he is an Adam Sandler movie staple at this point.
2: And Rich isn't afraid to ask for anything, and he's kind of he's kind of needling into to Sandler and dropping hints like, you know, DP, you know. Get get some new blood in there. Get some new energy in there. So here's a little clip of uh, of Rich kind of uh, trying to get his way into more more uh, more depth of a role in upcoming Sandler movies.
4: But I think um, if if you started putting other people, absolutely from the sports world, yeah. in that in those it, roles.
2: Well, you started off. You're in this next one. Then you the, do a voiceover. I do a and voiceover. You, kind, you don't play
4: really yourself. I mean, people might know. That's it, fine, but that's fine, Adam. Right. I'll take whatever, whatever but that's a comes the That's yeah. where you start. That's where you start. That's how The next thing. I just want Dan to start hearing my footsteps. Oh, he Th- feels it. That's a- Does he? feels it. He Does feels he really? It. He, yeah, listen. That would be
5: look, great. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second will be... I say Brad Hirschberg being your
4: father. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll... Brad
6: Hirschberg. like?
4: By the way, I could, I could uh, channel my inner Brad Hershberg. You're from low. Long Island, easy. I'll go back to my Camp Loconda days, you know, with the Jufro <laughs> and when I you used to have it. hair. You got it.
2: I can nail it. <laughs> Brad Hirschberg. I, I saw Rich tweet out, this was like three months ago. Some guy, I guess, was watching That's My Boy on HBO or whatever. And he asked Rich if, uh, "Hey, are you the voice at the end of the race when the fat guy wins the race?" And uh, Rich retweeted the guy, and he's like, "Yep, that's me." Because he remember he was the uh, voiceover,
1: right? Because that fat guy runs a marathon or something. Yeah, and yeah. then didn't didn't. Didn't Sandler like bet a ton of money on the fat guy to win or
2: something? Something ridiculous like that. But didn't that, didn't we go see that movie together? Yeah, yeah. That's what, I think the first night you met uh, Chera. actually. That's true.
1: That's true. We went to a press screening of That's My Boy.
2: Yeah, and then um, that's also what spawned the. Uh, lost invitation to the after party of the that's my boy and the Aaron Andrews meeting oh yeah
1: because you guys went to that dot-com thing we and went to the red carpet you did a yeah that's right that's right and you thought at Aaron Andrews was Jen Brown I did not
2: think Aaron you Andrews was Jen you Brown
1: you definitely thought Aaron not, Andrews not was Jen Brown
2: I didn't realize that Aaron Andrews had gotten pulled off of thursday night football because i don't watch college thursday night night football anymore because we work here on thursday night and
1: that was before jen brown started working for us
2: yeah and i had asked her i was like oh how are thursday nights going and like i i I definitely ticked her off a little bit (laughs) i think because she then (laughs) thought i didn't shocking but anyway that's smooth as sandpaper that's either here or there but anyway uh, and Sandler's got a new movie coming out this weekend, actually, which is That's right. another reason uh, why blended
1: with I, I the Drew police... Barrymore, uh, one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met. I mean, what a humble, just down to earth guy for somebody who's has reached the level of fame that he's reached. I I remember what I remember most about Sandler being here is um, he might have actually been wearing sweatpants, but he had like this big baggy green shirt on, and uh, he's from New Hampshire. And you know, I I lived in Maine for the last yeah. twenty years. Uh, my, my mom and my sister are still there, and we were just talking about New England uh, for five or t- for five ten minutes. And uh, you know, it was just a real normal conversation. He he introduced, you know, he stuck out his hand, and says, "Hi, my name's Adam. I'm thinking to myself, Yeah. No kidding, Like yeah. I know who you are. Like, I've been watching you since I was 15.
2: Oh, yeah, no, there was a, there was a couple, because I listened back to not the entire interview of all these, and I was just trying to pull some of this sound, but uh, he talks about how uh, he had a run-in with Brady, and Brady just thought that because he's from New England, he was a New England uh, fan
1: right, Sandler's one and, of those New Englanders yeah, who's a New who's, York sports a, fan. Yeah,
2: exactly. So he had to then like maneuver the conversation, and he didn't know whether or not to break it to Tom that he wasn't. <laughs> and I think he he left it as he just left Tom believing that he was a Patriots fan. And that's, that's funny to tell him.
1: I'm sure Tom knows by now, but yeah, that's great. But it was good. So the Sandman.
2: So that's from November 3rd of 2011. If you want to go back and check that one out, Def, definitely a good one. Another one uh, that was a. Uh, I think one of our most underrated guests, he's been in a bunch. Uh, he would come in prior to the Super Bowl every year because he would do a home and home with Rich. Uh, Carson Daly, when he had Last Call with Carson Daly. That show's still on. Uh, it's it's finishing up okay. because he's now oh, in New right. York uh, doing the, the uh, Today Show for the mornings. And then he comes out to L.A maybe twice a week for the Is voice. Is he a
1: regular on the Today Show? Yeah, he's
2: now a regular on the Today Show. Wow, good for him. Yeah, no, great for it. Totally deserved, and one of the nicest guys again.
1: Absolutely, all, one of the nicest guys ever.
2: When the uh, when the camera comes off, but for for a couple of years in a row he would come in with his production crew and they would shoot Rich on the stage here. Um, kind of a cool thing. They bring in their own cameras. They shoot with uh, 5D and 7D cameras. About four or five cameras. Takes 15, 20 minutes. They'll put it together in post and then and then obviously it airs on on last not, call
1: not uh, not too similar to what we do
2: no yeah not not too much different from what what we're doing um and then we would always sit him down after so rich i don't i wouldn't say rich was nervous he wasn't nervous at all but he was supposed to interview madonna that year that's at right super at bowl the super bowl in indianapolis and uh, carson with his you know uh, huge background in music and as an MTRL TRL, DJ. baby. T- I've been to it. I went y- to a taping.
1: Well, hold on a second. Of TRL. Hold on. Yeah. You've been to a taping of TRL yeah. in the Times Square Studios?
2: In the ta- with Carson Daly. What those. year was this? The crazy thing is, this was... Monday, September 10th, 2001.
1: No kidding.
2: Yeah, I went to a Michael Jackson concert that night at Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah, I've heard that story. I did yeah. not know you went to TRL. Like, on I Mo- left that out of the story on purpose beforehand. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Hold
1: on. You went to TRL yeah. Monday, September 10th, 2001.
2: Yeah, in, in Times Square with uh, with my buddy. And two of the other buddies couldn't get in, so they went off and walked on to FAO Schwartz and checked it out. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: incredible who was on TRL that day who was the in-studio uh music uh, I wa- personality I,
2: I, I can't remember I want to say it was Britney Spears but I'm not a hundred percent I because I, that day then became well that night she was there at the concert performing uh there were a, a lot of famous acts that sang Michael J- Jackson songs and then obviously you know that night was a, a big night and then we ended up leaving the city I got a parking ticket at 1 in the morning on when the I came 10th back, right? So we went back September 11th at about 2 in the morning back to Pennsylvania, luckily. Right. Um but uh and then obviously everything happened
1: And so. you were what, a freshman in college? No, I
2: was a senior in high school. Wow. senior in high school. Yeah. Wow. Crazy.
1: That's incredible.
2: But um anyway, not to get too far off on a on a tangent here, but um with with his big background in music, you know, Rich started asking for pointers uh, of course. on the Madonna interview. So I, this is one of my favorites. I think we've used some of this in some cut-ups, and uh, potentially it might have made an open once or twice. So here's uh, Carson Daly from his appearance on January 25th, 2012.
4: Madonna is a different ball of wax here now. Do I? Okay, let's do be honest. How do I start First of all, you're I never going to get this interview. It's not going to happen. Serious? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Are you serious? I don't think you will. I'll be surprised. She famously doesn't do anything. Really? I mean, Madonna, I don't know how much NFL Network or VH1 she watches or anything like that. I don't know either. Okay. Oh, you wonder if she's going to know who you are? Yeah. Not a chance. Not a chance, (laughs) chance, Rich. Let's say it happens. If, right. Right, because you got to, Right, right, right. How do I handle this interview? If I Just be yourself. You're good at what you do. Talk music. Let her
1: promote. Don't look her in the eye, Rich. You eyeball her.
3: (laughs) You
4: are done. Don't you dare. Don't even look? Don't even look.
1: Oh. <laughs> like, like Madonna is Medusa. I know. Like you can't look her in the eye, or you're turn, or you'll turn to stone <laughs> in front of a live audience.
2: I, I what I loved from that interaction was Rich goes, I, I don't know how much you know she watches NFL Network or VH1, because Rich does I Love the '90s, and, and right, he's been
1: it. on a bunch of those. And
2: Carson didn't really pick up on it at first, and they moved on <laughs> to the next thing, and then he picks up on. He's like, oh, you want to know if she'll know who you are? no <laughs> no chance.
1: Not a chance. No chance. But you know what? As I do recall, Rich destroyed that interview. Yeah, he crushed it. And one of the funniest things that we ended up using in our post-Super Bowl TV show back then was, remember Mike Del Tufo? Rich handed Mike Del Tufo, esteemed NFL audio guy, his BlackBerry to get photos of Rich with Madonna. And those photos... (laughs) Are, like rich and madonna are like little black dots on the screen because del tufo couldn't operate the blackberry op- his fingers were too big for it, to it hit he the little ball to hit the zoom and to, it could not and you know the blackberries yeah that's when rich four, still three years ago that's
2: when rich still rocked the blackberry
1: right and you know blackberry phones three years ago had like a 2.0 megapixel, megapixel. camera yeah yeah. Incredible. That's right. I
2: think we, we ripped on oh, him. Yeah, oh, we yeah. We threw up still frames of his show. Oh, shots. we put all
1: three of Del Tufo's photos yeah. in the TV show because they were so hideous.
2: Yeah. Part of the fun of this, I mean, for us, is just this, like, we're we're recalling some of this just on the fly. On the fly. Some, some of it, you know, I haven't
1: heard, a, I mean, you, you put all these clips together uh, yesterday. And uh I have no idea what's coming, yeah, yeah, so well, just
2: this is kind of what's fun about it, <laughs> um but yes, Ho-
1: hopefully this is hopefully this is as funny uh for you guys listening as it is for the two of us because. Trip to, trip down memory lanes uh are, are a good time from time to time.
2: Absolutely. So that again was uh, January 25th, 2012. The same episode. This was our Super Bowl special from that year. So we actually had six guests. By the way,
1: Patriots lost that Super Bowl. Wes Welker passed yeah. through the hands. Who
2: who we had Wes Welker and OCU Menorah sit down
1: on the Super Bowl special, on correct? On special, yeah. And we also had Tom Brady on to kick off the season. Yep. Rich went up to New England to do that luncheon. Uh, Or whatever the the event was for the Crafts and sat down with Tom.
2: Yeah, that was the last time TB's been on. As
1: Rich Rich said, that's a tough (laughs) two-shot.
2: Very tough (laughs) two-shot. So uh, from the same episode, um, the the star or one of the stars of 30 Rock, we just had Tracy Morgan on a couple weeks ago. We had Alec Baldwin on. And uh, Alec told a funny story of... Um, you know, we never know kind of how big a football fan some of these guys are or aren't. Right. And uh, he got into a funny story about um, wanting to catch a pass from Roger Staubach in his in his charity. Uh, so here's, uh, here's Alec Baldwin, just a short little clip from him on January twenty sixth, 2012.
3: My brother Stephen yeah. knew of a charity football game that they played down there in Dallas for some youth group or something that Staubach had with Danny White. I wind up on the phone with Staubach's office and with his assistant and the woman was as nice as could be and she said, well, Mr. Baldwin, uh, the only problem is this is kind of a local charity and uh, we don't, Fly people here. We don't put people up in hotels and such. We don't have the budget for that. I said, lady, I'll fly myself down there (laughs) and I'll put myself in a hotel and I'll write your charity a check for $50,000 and Starbuck throws me one
1: pass. (laughs) And she said,
3: Do you really mean that? Are you being serious? I said, Lady, you don't get it.
1: That's incredible.
2: oh man that
1: is incredible uh who was your boyhood quarterback idol was it randall cunningham always
2: yeah randall cunningham Uh,
1: so uh, you know if you were in a position like baldwin where you could just scratch a check like that what would you pay to run a fly pattern and have randall cunningham throw you a 70 yard bomb
2: oh see i uh, i can't i can't see myself cutting a check for 50k but uh
1: I mean, if you were involved. If, if
2: I if I have fu money and I'm, I'm right, just, right, and I'm just. Doing I mean, it. fifty grand to catch a pass from Staubach. If we it, if it were going to go to a charity, I would do it. If it's going to to Cunningham, <laughs> I don't think I still don't think I could do it just on principle alone. But right. if it's then going to go to a charity, I, I I would pay I would pay about that.
1: Though. I mean, when I first started watching football. Uh, Man, I wanted to be Joe Montana in the the worst way when I was seven or eight years old. That's because
2: you were up in Alaska, right? Yeah,
1: you know we moved all around and whatnot. But you know when I first really got into football, I I was eight and we had just moved to Alaska. And so you know I was a big I like the 49ers. Probably it had to do with them winning all the time. And but hey, what what do you want me to do? I'm eight. Yeah. But for me to go out there and recreate the catch with Joe. I mean, fifty thousand seems like five bucks. I think I would do that in a second. In a second,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. We always used to do because uh, at the time, Randall had those infamous, you know, jumping over the piles. Right. And uh, we would spend summers down in in South Jersey. So anytime we would go in the ocean, whenever we would break the line of the wake, <laughs> we were always it was always a football in our hand. and We were jumping over, and, you're like and we would yell Randall Cunningham over the top like that. That was it every time. It was it's pathetic when I look back on it. But Who's it was the awesome. Eagles
1: play-by-play guy?
2: Uh, Merrill Reese. Yeah, Merrill
1: and. You're doing the Merrill. Oh yeah,
2: oh, Randall, call it on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, classic. It's
1: fantastic.
2: All right, so that's Baldwin. Now, now this next one holds a special place in my heart because it came up so spontaneously. Um, we had we had rapper Ice T in who was promoting. Yes. Uh, he was promoting his documentary film he had out called uh, "Something from Nothing: The Art of Rap."
1: And fantastic doc, if you haven't seen yeah. that, it's incredible. And he
2: gets interviews with. Pretty much everybody.
1: Every single big rapper from the 80s and 90s.
2: Yeah. And so right before he he was supposed to come in, I'm making up this time because I don't have it exactly, but we'll call it he was supposed to come in at 11. And I think he came in 10 minutes or 15 minutes early, which is uncharacteristic for really sadly is. a lot of our guests. It really guests. is.
1: And uh, By the way, we were really hoping that Coco was going to make an appearance. Yeah, we were hoping. Sadly, at, she did not.
2: At the time. And uh, I think like five or so minutes beforehand, I was like, hey, you know, it would be funny, Rich, if you did like a little rap. And it was one of those where Rich looked, and he's like, I don't know, it could come off as hokey. And we were like, yeah, but it could. And he's like, all right, write something up. And and, and he goes in to do the interview. So they're about 15 minutes into the interview, and w- we then start writing up a rap for, right, for Rich. Right. We, he I hasn't mean, seen it. He's completely absolutely not trusting us. We are, <laughs>
1: we are just throwing words down on paper with rhymes at the but, end.
2: And it's not like we we obviously want to set Rich up to, to look good, and it's iced tea. Like, and you can't just tea. throw anything. You can't. There. You
1: can't fake it with iced tea. This is guy. This is one of the originators of gangster rap. He is the real OG. He will know so, if, if you're quote like, fronting on him. Like
2: we're not looking to rhyme fat and hat here. We're looking to like <laughs> mix up words and, and right. have some depth to it. Absolutely. And I let, let's play the clip. This clip's a little longer. It's <laughs> about two minutes, and then we'll kind of talk through it after. But uh, this one obviously made the open for a while. Uh, you'll notice when you hear it back full. This time, the way we cut the open, we you know we stole some some laughs and some some stuff from certain places. But here's uh, Rich wrapping to Ice T. One of the best parts though, is at the beginning. Ice T says, "I was just at KTLA." Oh yeah, and, and some the weatherman—the weatherman wrapped weatherman right. me like, basically saying, "Like any idiot right. will like, try and like every to me.
1: every idiot comes up to me and tries to spit a few bars."
2: And to Rich's credit, Rich is like, "Well, I'm I'm going to do it now too." Right? And here here it is.
4: I was on KTLA this morning. The weatherman busts a rhyme. Is yeah. that right? Wants a record deal. How was it? Was it any good? It was what you expect from a weatherman. <laughs> 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 oh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see that. And and in that respect, um, just to prove again. Um, that it does take some skill, um, I, I, I have to let you know. It does seem to have a comprehensive list of people that you have spoken mm-hmm. to. You did leave one person out. Who's yeah. that? And that would be that would be me. Ice. Oh, oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Okay, now, uh, if you you're got, ready you for got that. skills. Well, I I, I I I wouldn't spell it with a Z. I mean, but I have <laughs> I, I have I it. have skills. Okay, let's uh, see. But I, I've can you? I've got I've got a, a rap right go here. Go a I'm. i gonna. Okay. I'm gonna. But you, you help me if please. If, if you feel I need. I'll do. I'll do the X Factor. Okay. <laughs> don't turn your. <laughs> I was about to say it's better than the voice. I don't want you to turn your back on okay. me, uh, because it is. This is a package. You know what I mean? It's, I, I, it's a visual and an audio. Let's factor. put it like this. You're gonna find out in the movie. They say the first thing mm-hmm. is you must be original. Okay, here that's it, original. This is original, <laughs> right? here. I see. I ain't seen a rap from the. I'm like the only too. one in Prada. That's maybe be the only one. Okay, here we go. My name's Rich Eisen. I have a podcast. Miss a scheduled appearance and I'll put you on blast. New York is my home, the island of Staten. I've conquered Bristol, even Manhattan. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. Oh, man. Rapping isn't my forte, in case you couldn't tell. I'm more relaxed on the network. NFL. That was cold right there. That was cold. The syllables was in pocket. Your delivery was tight. You said it like you meant it. Yeah. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel way bad better. for them. Way better. I'm telling you, man. That You know, I'm really impressed. Thank you. I'm really Thank impressed. You. Well, maybe next time when you do another film, you come around with me. I'll but talk about my craft. I could tell you took a little time and you thought about that.
1: <laughs> that's the, that's best. the best part. <laughs> that's the absolute best part. Rich gave no thought to that. Well, Law and I literally <laughs> threw bars down and handed him a piece of paper.
2: Uh, I listened back to it and I'm like, I could have made it. We could have made it so much better at certain parts, but it's still no I, way. It works. I like the uh, in case you couldn't tell, and then finishing it with the network NFL. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's right. I mean uh,
1: that just says a lot for our writing ability that uh, I yes. see. Ice T was giving us some props like that, and then of course afterward, one of uh, I was my Twitter avatar for a long time. Me and Ice T throwing up a West Side. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what little West Side. It's he wasn't in West Side Connection. That was Ice Cube. Such
1: a but... white moment, but I had to do it.
2: Oh boy, but that was. Uh, yeah,
1: that, that was a real good time.
2: That's a, that's one of those that's up there. That entire interview is is, is really good because I mean T's a guy that came from. You know, rapping about cop killers and now he plays a cop on a, on, a, right. on a TV show. On a TV show. And just talk about Full Circle. You know, we've had a lot of guests that kind of are, are like that, but um, definitely an enjoyable yeah, that was, one. Yeah, that was a great one. That was from June 8th of uh, 2012, if you want to seek out that one. Uh, he was a solo guest on that podcast, so he's the only one. Um, Another one uh, that this one got a little latex. i uh, not going to lie.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to hear what this uh,
2: is. This was uh our first in studio guest where we also tried to incorporate a phoner um This is Frank Caliendo coming in studio and i can't remember this i think this rich had had the idea for it it i don't know it might have been might have been me i'm not a, it might have been you i'm I can't remember fully
1: oh we're gonna try to get mooch on the phone but right
2: we're gonna get mooch on the phone, and we're gonna pretend that Caliendo's madden. And I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was it was my idea, but I don't want to take credit if it was right. Mooch's. Right, 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 right. So, uh, what we had working against us, though, uh, unbeknownst to us, and was, that we didn't
1: know this, right?
2: Yeah, two weeks before, um, Steve Mariucci hosts uh, a bocce ball tournament for charity. Right, and Mooch is really close with Madden. They're both up in the Bay Area.
1: They're very close um, friends.
2: But you know, they could probably still go a month two months without seeing right. each other and madden
1: plays in this bocce tournament every single year
2: yes and what we
1: didn't know that was, it was like
2: 10 days early
1: right and so when we sold we were trying to, to fool mooch with caliendo doing the madden voice we told mooch that madden was in studio yeah that was where we screwed yeah, what up what we
2: did was we said we said he's like oh you have john down there what he took the bus down right and and then the the other problem where it got a little latex, Although I blamed Del Tufo because this was still in the days of Del Tufo, and we were over right
1: because we're uh, doing this out of the VO booth.
2: Out of our so right now we're in a self contained podcast studio where I kind of run the board and I mix it. We used to have an audio engineer that would that would mix it. Um, Frank Caliendo didn't have IFB in, so he couldn't hear. Steve Mariucci ah. so we had to we had to pause pause and stop down and get an IFB in and it kind of in real time ruined the moment but he, here's the playback of it um it would have been so good if it worked it's still a fun little segment though and uh Mooch being one of the best guys he has had fun with it so this is about five minutes long
4: well here's what I'd like to do I'd like to get Mariucci on the phone right now he's that. tight with uh, Madden
0: yeah, good friends. They've done a lot of
4: things together. In fact, they just did their annual charity bocce ball tournament. I
0: mean, and if, there, uh, I mean if there's a thing that you wish could be uh, biannual, is that biannual or semi-annual?
4: <laughs> it's flat out once a year. Annual. That's right. And so they just did it, and uh, Mooch loves Madden, loves him. He's known him for years. They're so tight. Um, they're texting buddies. Madden will text him every now and then. And I, I was stunned that Madden knew how to text. Him. Yeah. You know, how, it, you
0: know how I learned that? Troy Aikman. <laughs> Troy Aikman. I bet he this did. This is true. This is true. Troy Aikman taught me how to text. And, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, 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 it,
4: it, 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 there you go. So I've, I, when I knew you were coming on, I texted Mooch yesterday. By the way, he did not know six years ago, Mooch did not know how to text when we first came, up, Dion taught him that the little closed yellow envelope on the top of his phone means he has a text. I swear to you, that actually <laughs> happened. So now, now he's a texting fiend. He's even on Twitter. It's he's just come a long way, Mooch. But anyway, uh, in a
0: lot of ways, he has in a lot of
4: ways. So I told Mariucci, I'm like, listen, I've got John Madden as my guest on the podcast this week. He thinks John Madden is on the podcast. Can we call him up and have you? Essentially, punk him. Can yeah, we'll
0: see how long this lasts. I okay. mean, with a guy
4: who I just saw a couple days ago. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> here we go. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, do we have Mooch on the phone, Chris? All right, because he's about to be patched in. Well, this is going to be a great podcast moment. Um, in studio, uh, the great legendary John Madden, and then on the phone, fresh off of your bocce ball <laughs> tournament together, Coach, is uh, somebody you know very well, Steve Marriage. Say, say, uh, say, hi there, Mooch.
3: You know. John is down in Los Angeles. He took his bus all the way down there, and I didn't catch a ride with him.
0: Yeah, I mean sometimes you just have to, you know, do the things that you do. And I mean, you know, if you, you know, you, you don't, you go out of your way and you, you ask somebody and you think, hey, I don't think they would want to go, and you don't want to make them feel like they might go or if they have to go. And so, I mean, wait a minute, wait a
3: minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is
0: that John? Yeah. Uh, John. Hey John, Oh, it
3: is. Is it? Is it? Okay, so how'd you do in the bocce tournament, John?
0: It didn't didn't win against you. I'll tell you that much. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy, <laughs> like, I mean, you uh, watch him play, and you Caliendo, say,
4: <laughs> Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed
3: that out. I sniffed that out. They told oh, me you would be way me.
0: too dumb to get this.
3: You, Rich, you thought you thought just because I'm a youper that I would not figure out. John Madden, who I know way too well, and now that guy's pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, but when you know somebody, you just got to, you know, because I know he would have been ragging on me about something else, you know, and uh, the topic was off kilter a little bit.
0: I was trying to play nice there. I mean, I wanted to go after you. I mean, I've seen the way you play, you know. <laughs> I mean, you should see him sleep. You should see him sleep. I mean, you think think the way he talks is funny? I mean, I've seen this guy. I mean, mean, he just falls asleep on your couch. Oh,
3: oh, okay. You you got the (laughs) laugh down, that's for sure. I mean, I've been working on it forever. John wasn't laughing much at the bocce tournament because he was awful. (laughs) Amy Trask's team from the Raiders beat him.
0: See, that's the thing, though, is I like to make other people feel good about themselves. If you know one thing about John Madden is I'm a giver. (laughs) And that was given. I mean,
4: that was given. Mooch, how'd you sniff that out, man? I thought you know, I could uh, at least because, get you for a because, solid uh, 60 I just, seconds.
3: I noticed it's just not exactly the same. It's good. It's good. It's good. Believe me, it's good. But, you know, it's like a, a, if you would have been impersonating an Izzo, I would have catch it right away or impersonating. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I, 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 I don't I know I what he calls it right you. Away, you. It know? would be
0: one but, of those uh, things where I don't know what he calls you or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, does he call you Mooch? What does he, he calls do? calls me Mooch yeah if i if i'd have, yeah, if I'd have been more yeah, attitude yeah, to that yeah, much,
3: uh, you know you, you you cheated again, you know or something yeah
0: I mean uh, you thought you looked like you had it and then you weren't going to have it, and then somehow <laughs> i mean it came through. I didn't think i mean of all the things that that Steve Mariuch is known for, and there's a lot of things and some of them are good, and some of them. <laughs> Aren't so good, but in the middle, there's bocce ball. And I mean, I, you know, it's just one thing I like to say is bocce. I mean, if you think, I mean, I even like to say Bruce Bocce just because of bocce ball. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel good about yourself.
3: Okay. You're getting better. That's, that's really good. <laughs> It's yeah. only taken me 30 it's years warm, to do everybody. this. I think you're getting warm up.
1: <laughs> the moment when Mooch figures out that it's not Madden. Is amazing. It's it's, so, it's like the apple falling on Newton's head.
2: It's so and I, before that, if you actually go back and you you do happen to download the entire episode, or or just Caliendo's portion, he does imitations of about seven other. He does Jim Rome, which he crushes like Rome. Always. He does
1: Morgan Freeman.
2: Morgan Freeman, yeah. Uh, i I'm I love watching or hearing people do impersonations me too like whenever Hank comes in and he does yep. some of the Simpsons characters or
1: when we had Jay Moron and he was doing all those guys yeah it,
2: it, to me it's just one of those things like I could watch that all day I, I love that
1: Galiendo, one of the nicest guys yeah. he, was, he was really cool
2: very cool dude um, and uh, also on that episode a little bit different if you do happen to uh, to listen to it we had one of our listeners in studio on that episode uh chris barba oh nice um he won a contest for step in rich's shoes and he got the most listeners subscribed oh to the yeah that's true
1: and he came up
2: and he got a pair of eisen's autographed <laughs> uh 40 combine combine
1: plates. shoes yeah yeah that's awesome so
2: kind of a shout little bit out. of a
1: he was an international guy shout, yeah. shout out to barba
2: yeah exactly so uh kind of a, a little bit of a hodgepodge there up next One of our all-time favorites, this one a a lot more recently, so if you're uh, a newer listener to the podcast, you may have heard it originally. We're going to play two portions of this interview. There was actually three we were going to play, but uh, I think I'll just keep it to the two unless you vote me out or decide you do want the third one in, Brockman. We can maybe add it in. But um, our our good friend Bobby Cannavale in studio uh, told... A mul- multiple hilarious stories.
1: But. I mean, this guy just distra- rich and I were just sitting here man crushing on Bobby so badly. We had Bobby on the phone uh, first. Yeah, maybe a year prior, right? And then that convinced me to watch because I had watched Boardwalk Empire and I was like, eh, because Wahlberg kind of spoiled the ending of season one for me. And then Bobby came on and like, no, Rich was like, no, you got you trust me. This guy Bobby Cannavale just crushes Boardwalk Empire as the villain Chip You have to watch. And this guy came on; he was cool, New Yorker. He had that angry Jets fan thing going on, <laughs> and the accent. I was like, "All right, you know what? I'll give it a whirl." This guy just destroyed his season of Boardwalk, and so all right, I'm in. And so he comes in studio. Oh.
2: he's never out on the West Coast. He was out here never, because he was never shooting, out on the West Coast he was shooting a movie with Pacino. He was. Um, which he had just in a play Glengarry Glenn Ross. I don't need to tell you at all. It actually starts the interview right from the beginning. Okay, great. Uh, I'm gonna play the first three minutes of the interview. He tells a good uh, a good funny Pacino story, and then we'll stop down and set up the next portion okay, cool. uh of the interview with him. But this is uh Bobby Cannavale from let's see, Bobby Cannavale from August twelfth, two thousand thirteen.
4: Good to see you, Bobby Cannavale, you're in the good. flush. Nice to be here in God's country, Culver City, <laughs> California. <laughs> it is. There is there is something uh, beatific about oh, Culver
5: City. It's beautiful out here.
4: I thank you very much for coming. Yeah, I know you're you're in New York. You're an East Coaster through and through. So yeah. you being out here in L.A. This is not it, usual for you. Would you yeah, say not at
5: all? This is the longest I've ever spent in L.A. I've been here for four weeks now.
4: How you doing for it? How you how you doing?
5: I'm doing all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing right I'm hanging out with Pacino a lot, so I can keep it real. You is know, that so it. yeah well I'm working on this movie out here with him, so which movie are you doing right now it's called imagined so I'm spending a lot of time at his rented house um you know he will only rent the house out here, you know he rents a house because he's he's like
6: if I get a place, then I have to means I'm here to stay, so
5: he's been renting the same house mm-hmm in the flats in Beverly Hills. like it, like It's okay for me to say this because everybody in the world knows where Pacino lives because he lives literally on the road like like there's a bus that goes by. You know those tours? Sure. They all stop in front of his house. And shoot his... and shoot. Oh, it. he sits in the front yard and he <laughs> waves at everybody. So li- everybody
4: knows where Al lives. <laughs> That's amazing. You know yeah. what? And so does that mean that you stumble downstairs and yeah. you see Al Pacino just rummaging through the fridge in his, in his skivvies and stuff like that? You yeah, you, could, sort of you could
5: literally go on one of those double-decker. I, I recommend the double-decker so you can get up top so you can see <laughs> over the fence. <laughs> and you'll probably see Al drinking his
4: 48th cup of coffee on his front porch um, by noon. Yeah. That is so cool. Because yeah. you just did Glenn Gary Glenn Ross with him on Broadway, which yeah. I saw, and you were superb Thank in you. that as well. Yeah, yeah. And so now you have did that, and now you're you're now I'm a- doing this film with him. Yeah. So, yeah,
5: it worked out. I mean, it's a good thing I did that play.
4: That is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, the good. play
5: led to this. The play led. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I had such a good time on that, and I think Al had a good time. And and then he was. Uh, he's been like. He's been trying to get this movie made for a few years. It's really, it's a really great. What is it? Film. It's called Imagined. Guy named Dan Fogelman, really wonderful writer director. Uh, he wrote Crazy Stupid Love, and that's a funny movie. Uh, yeah, and uh, and so he's been developing this with Al for a few years, and Al plays this like neil diamond type character this sort of superstar singer you know <laughs> and um and he's like tired of singing the same song you know he's got like a sweet caroline song that he doesn't want to sing anymore and mm-hmm. so he decides to give it all up you know he's like he's like a drug addict and like you know he's like he just wants to sing his new songs and nobody wants to hear it so he tries to go find the son he never you know he had a son on, one, on a one night stand 40 years ago and that's me that's you and um it's pretty funny and he sort of hijinks abound and Chris Plummer's in it, and Annette Benning and Jennifer Garner um, plays my wife, and it's good, man. It's a really good little film, but um, yeah, I had to come out here. I mean, like, really, I I haven't been out here for this long ever, so I
1: did it really for him.
2: Okay, so that was just kind of, I wanted to get that Pacino story in there, because... Could you
1: imagine walking downstairs and just seeing Al Pacino, like, eating Cheerios or Frosted Flakes? I
2: love his 48th cup of coffee. like (laughs) I recommend the upper deck and the double decker.
1: I like the idea of Pacino just sitting out on his lawn, uh, waving <laughs> at the Star Tours. Love it. Going through Beverly Hills.
2: Absolutely love it. But um, this next part's. By the way, that movie's supposed to
1: come out uh, this year, two thousand fourteen. Imagine. Ima- imagine. Ah. Yeah.
2: Who? What was the director's name? He said the guy from uh, Crazy uh, Stupid Love.
1: Yeah, I'm all in on that movie. Dan Fogelman. Dan Fogelman. Uh, he wrote it and directed it. And uh, Crazy Stupid Love, if you somehow have not seen that movie, check it out. The Gosling.
2: Yeah. Crushes. And, and uh, what's the, um, Emma Stone.
1: Yeah, so and many good people Steve, in that movie. And Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Great in and, that too.
2: But uh, so that kind of tees up the second part of Cannavale here, which I, I think it's the best. He He's talking about um, how he first met. They're talking about kind of boyhood crushes and meeting them, right? Which we kind of mentioned earlier with Cunningham, or you know, if we met Cunningham or if you met Montana, right? And th- throwing a ball. And uh, at this time, Bobby Bobby's a big Jets fan, and this was the time of the Sanchez headband, and and all of that. And he mentions, you know, he's ripping on Sanchez for the headband, and then he talks about his uh, mint green vespa scooter that he was on when he saw reggie and reggie kind of shunned him so it goes through that rich tells a little bit of a mattingly story about meeting mattingly and then freaking out in the moment and then it goes into his jeter story which was in the infamous open so i'll play play play, this whole thing this is is so incredible this is about six and a half minutes this is so awesome and uh, it's worth every every minute of it here so bobby cannavale same episode and uh here you go
4: have you, ever, have you ever met Reggie Jackson? Uh, have you ever come across
5: him at any no, point? No. You know what I did one time? I'm really bad with athletes. I'm terrible. I just become a nerd. I was on my Vespa bad enough. <laughs> you know, <in> the, <laughs> judging the headband. In the city. <laughs> Jud- judging the judging headband. The headband on Wearing my headband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on, the, on the Vespa, but I'm not the quarterback of the Jets. It's true. So I'm on my Vespa, green Vespa, <laughs> riding the Mint v- green Vespa, riding, and I pass, and I'm at a red light, and I see Reggie. On the corner of like uh, at the Reg- St. Regis, yeah, and I lose my mind. I just lose it. I just start screaming,
3: Reggie!
1: When, Reggie! when was
5: this? It's like two years ago, <laughs> dude. He so you're an adult. He was not cool. He was like he gave me like a, yeah. Do you think hello. Do you
4: think it was the Vespa? <laughs> <Could it laughs> Probably have been. was the Vespa. Could have been the Vespa. Not the screaming guy. <laughs> no, no, because he's seen the screaming guy before. It, that's he what I thought. May never have seen the screaming guy on a Vespa. Yeah, that's true. That's the mix. He here. wasn't
5: that cool. He wasn't that cool. <laughs> But I, but I mean, but Reggie, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, yeah, Reggie produced. And Reggie was kind of legit, was always sort of Reggie, The right? reason
4: why I bring it up is he's small. He's not a tall man at all. 5'10"? If that. Yeah, but Reggie if was... That. Jack. He though. was Jack, and, and the way he would swing too—he he would corkscrew himself in the ground. He had the greatest, most oh. grandiose swings and misses. I love them. of all time. Yeah, there would be those shots of him. He'd be turned right. completely yeah. around with his knee about an inch off right. the ground, like a cartoon. Yeah. yeah, like a cartoon. Yep. But I would, you know, I'm like that. I'm that like, way with Mattingly. Mattingly is my all-time favorite baseball player. I've got a story for you. Then oh. okay, this is my favorite all-time Don Mattingly story. Have I told this on the podcast before? It here we go. Matter. I may have. Here I think we go. So. I'm a I'm a freshman at the University of Michigan in nineteen eighty six and this is the Donnie baseball era where he's wearing the mullet yeah. and Steinbrenner is all over him for the mullet and the way he's got his That's facial that. hair, all of that stuff. And he's going into his walk year and I think George released a statement to like Saturday afternoon baseball that Vince Scully read on NBC about Mattingly and it's getting ugly and it's terrible. And I feel that when he pulls into Detroit that next week, I am going to personally take this situation out of the fire, and I'm going to go down to Tiger Stadium and be the first one in the stadium and tell him, Donnie, what you mean to guys like me from Staten Island, New York, and Yankee fans everywhere who are waiting for these championships again. You are the bridge from the great years of the late 70s, early 80s, even though you didn't play in them, to now. You stand for those guys, and you cannot listen to what George Steinbrenner has to say. You have got to stay you got to stay for people like us who appreciate you thought about all this got and rented a car <laughs> Wasn't a Vespa <laughs> rented a car yeah. drove from Ann Arbor to Detroit sure enough got to Tiger Stadium gates locked unlocked gates first in belly up to the Yankee dugout. I'm there. I'm ready first guy to the dugout is Don Mattingly He goes I go to him dirty baseball <laughs> <laughs> His eyes get as big as saucers. He pirouettes and goes right back into uh, the clubhouse. So good. I blew it.
5: Have you told
4: him that story? Years later, I go to, uh, I'm on SportsCenter. And I go to the All-Star Game in Seattle. And I'm covering for ESPN one of the celebrity softball teams and I'm the one of the sideline reporters and the captain of the team manager of the team is Don Manningly. <laughs> Go up to him in the dug and in, in the clubhouse. I walk up to him and I'm like, "Don, I just want to introduce myself to you." And he goes, "Love your work on SportsCenter." And I just oh. like, "Oh my god." Exactly. I had that look. I melted. And I'm like, "Don, that means so much to me. I just want to let you know, you know, um what you mean to me and what you mean to Yankee Finch." And he says, "Thank you. Thank you." We had a nice conversation for a minute and he goes, "So nice to meet you." And I'm like, we have met before. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him the whole story again. And at the end of the story, like a fan, I go, Do you remember? And he goes, Nope. Nope. I <laughs> <laughs> felt this big again. Yeah. I'm the. S- I am, Bobby, oh. I am the same way. Man, I get crazy. I get
5: so stupid. I've told you my Derek Jeter story. I think no. I told you the last time no. I was on. No. No. Oh, man. It was like 19. Um, this is so 19- great with my son born? Yeah, so it's like 1995 six. 6. It's the first year of Third Watch. It's a TV show I was on. It was like like two weeks before that first day on Third Watch. I was working in a bar. So it was the first thing I ever did, you know. And it's on NBC, and NBC has the the World Series, and they fly me down to Yankees, Atlanta, uh, uh, down to Atlanta for the World Series, sitting right next to the Yankee dugout, behind the on-deck circle. It's me, um, Michael Beach, Eddie Cibrian from the show. Sure. And then in the row is... Is is Jesse J- Reverend Jesse Jackson, Spike Lee, George Steinbrenner, and I am I'm not like a professional yet. I haven't been on television before, and I've never done this. And these guys were on, so they were all cool. I'm the only one in a Yankee jersey <laughs> and a Yankee hat. These guys are camera ready in whatever designer dressed them, and I'm in full regalia. And I spend the entire. The entire game Screaming my head off Bro Screaming my head off Camera's on oh, it's Costa's going You know It's the stars of the new show Third watch And I'm freaking out Like And every time Jeter comes up I'm screaming screaming And I'm like As close as I am to you now I'm right behind him and yeah. You know behind the uh, On deck circle Screaming 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 Nothing 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 He doesn't even look at me Cool as hell These guys are laughing at me And I hear Steinbrenner going He's ignoring him And <laughs> I, I, Like Like I was a piece of shit Like he didn't care less Screamy Screamy finally lasts that bat, eighth inning. Yeah. Jeter comes up. I'm, I'm hoarse, man. I'm just Derek, Just turn around, man!
3: Just turn around!
5: Finally he like do He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up, he turns around, he looks at me, he goes, Bro, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> It was so good. I was, And then, of course, bro, I turned around. Yes! Yeah! Right, so, so yeah. <laughs> Still haven't met him, though, since then, but I would totally ask him if he remembers. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. the bro-I-can-hear-you guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm that guy. Uh. Bro, I hear you. Oh, man. I mean, that is just uh Because, you know, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there, screaming at our favorite players, just hoping they turn around and acknowledge us. And This
2: is an Emmy award-winning actor admitting that this is a, a grown man <laughs> a grown
1: man eight rows back at yankee stadium screaming like a lunatic at Derek jeter
2: i love that he's like eddie sibrian and his designer jeans or whatever the fashion uh, the fashion lady <laughs> whoever whoever dressed whoever him. dressed him there's nbc execs there steinbrenner's there and he's nope. just
1: yelling he's wearing a jersey full regalia
2: like a maniac like a
1: maniac i mean it's so great because we've all been there We've, yeah. all, we've all we've all been. That there. was a
2: fun episode. There was another clip I'm going to play, but I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll save it and definitely if you haven't heard it, go back and check it out. But uh, he was shooting a movie with Woody Allen. Right. Uh, he was up in San Fran. Thir- he, I think he said he shot 13 straight days. And there's a great story of uh, him kind of just nagging. He w- just kind of
1: follows Woody around. Did I say Woody
2: Harrison. I meant Woody Allen. Woody
1: Allen. Yeah. yeah. He just follows uh, Woody Allen around, uh, and Woody just you know just kind of looking at him like you leave me alone.
2: Yeah, and he's 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 just watching Woody Allen. He's like I'm watching this guy, and he, he's pulling up his phone. He's watching magic clips on U- on YouTube. He likes magic, <laughs> and, and uh, there were just some good intricacies. So that does, guy
1: is an all timer, Bobby Cannavale. Can't wait to get him back in. Yeah, here. we got
2: to get him back in, and uh, I want to check out that movie. You're right. That's it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it should be coming out this year. There was no date on IMDb, but.
2: A good pool that that one um was up uh so that that's kind of volley if you want to check it out august 12th from uh 2013 from this year um next up is uh is th- this one these next three get a little bit longer because uh i think these were just you kind of need to hear a little bit more of the story and we're only still even playing for you guys a fraction of it uh two that we didn't include at all that i think are must listens for us uh if you've seen all of breaking bad is definitely the Vince Gilligan one. I uh, didn't want to bring that one back just because of spoilers and feel like uh, that's one where y- you just need to listen to the full. What was it? 102. Minutes. Oh my goodness.
1: He was here for, yeah, an hour and a half probably. Yeah. That was one of the all time. And then,
2: too. um, uh, our guy Bruce Stern too. He, he was, he was great. And you know, we've, we've played that one. That one was more recent and we've kind of, you know, hit on that one a lot with some open stuff. So, um, Definitely, if you miss Bruce Dern, go go seek it out. But this one's uh, this is Coach Bill Courtney, uh, of the Manassas Tigers. I, I I take special pride in this one because, um, I I was pushing for this guy for a little while to to come on, and um, it, even before their their documentary got nominated, uh, somebody most likely from the Weinstein Company, I believe, sent me a copy of the DVD, and I watched it, and I remember I was going on a work flight somewhere, and uh, I mean it's hard to not get emotional watching yeah. it. And, uh, you know, I I said to Rich, I'm like, we, we got to get this guy on. He's like, well, you know, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, just watch the doc, just watch the documentary." Please watch it. And he watched it and he's like, this is going to be great. And the director actually came in with us with him as well. We didn't include it, but uh, it was directed by Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin. For those that don't know undefeated, uh, it's a documentary that chronicles, it pretty much follows three underprivileged student athletes that, uh, that are in inner city Memphis and Coach Bill Courtney's a volunteer coach trying to kinda of help them beat the odds, um, really both on and, and off the field. And he he doesn't do it in a preachy way or, or his his approach is just he may he's one of those guys that makes you just have pause and think about the way you do stuff and are like, Man, kinda kinda wish I had either, you know, those patients or, or this or that. Um so for me it's one one of my favorites uh that we've ever had on. But um, here it is. This is Coach Bill Courtney from February 23rd, 2012. Uh, it's going to gonna play a 16-minute portion of the interview.
4: Here on this podcast and obviously at NFL Media Group and NFL Network, we're constantly caught up in what the NFL is all about, winning, losing, who's to blame, who is skyrocketing to fame and things of that nature, and uh, who should make the Hall of Fame, who gets snubbed. I mean, that's basically what we talk about in the NFL all the time, and then there's uh, the side of football that saves lives, that means so much to so many people who will never touch the NFL in their lives. It is remarkable when you think it's it's the same sport, it's the same ball, it's the same concept of teamwork and and sacrifice. But it's just uh, in a different place, a different level. And to that respect, there's a superb film called Undefeated. It is uh, a documentary about the Manassas Tigers in North Memphis High School. Um, And uh, it is nominated for an Oscar. And part of the reason why it is is because the story that is told and the lives that are saved and the lives that are made and the lives that are uh, put on display for all of us to... Uh, be shocked by, be awed by, be impressed with and and emotionally uh, involved uh, in following. And the reason why it is nominated in that respect, the reason why the Manassas Tigers were uh, quite a story and of interest and uh, rooting for is, is my guest here on the podcast, the coach of that team, Bill Courtney. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. How Thanks are you for having me. I'm doing all right. I, I guess I should call you the, the former coach of the Manassas Tigers, right? Yeah, right the, the film was my last year at Manassas. At, right. And moved on. Now, I guess for for somebody who has maybe not heard of this film or not yet seen it, uh, the first scene of it, and I'm not telling you any tales out of school, is essentially you going through some of the trials and tribulations that you as a coach have had to endure with this team, and it was a great way to start the film because it opens your eyes as to what was going on with this team. Can you recount for some of us some of the issues that that you had uh, with Manassas and your and your and your team? Well, I mean, it's it's the, the neighborhood is
7: is um, suffers in abject poverty, and all, all of the the cliches that you hear and think about when you talk about the inner city do really exist. Um, not many fathers in the household. Lots of um, lots of very young unwed mothers, lots of grandmothers and aunties raising kids, and um, doing the very best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. But you know, by and large, uh, the kids just kind of gr- grow old. They don't really grow up, you know. And um, so you know, you, you enter into an environment that um, the the basic. Tenants and fundamentals of of what a young man should be are um, deficient. And um, consequently, you get kids getting shot, you get gang beatings, you get kids getting arrested. And um, and, and these are kids who outside of those issues in a one on one situation are screaming for discipline and love and nurturing and have an enormous amount of good in them. And they're just lonely and sad and hurt and they act out. And in that environment, you know, a temper tantrum can manifest itself in someone getting shot and going
4: to jail. And um, a, a lot of that happened. And there was a, a again, I'm, I'm going to try and conduct this interview without giving away too much of the film. Okay. But there was a, a moment in the film that really hit me. I guess it was the first win that your, your team had in the season. Is you want to go across the field to shake the coach's hand, and the local police stepped in. Yeah, there, right, and prevented. There was you. a there was a
7: lot of banner back. That's that's a cross rival that Manassas had never beaten, and um, those kids know each other intimately across neighborhoods. And you know, there's a lot of banner and texting and whatever kids do back and forth that that you know there was regardless how the game turned out, there was gonna be it was on afterwards. And um you know, it's kinda funny to hear um the suburban teams play We Ready before games mm-hmm. because we ready is not a song. Its root is is an inner city a phrase for you gonna get in my face, bring it on. We ready. And that 's what was going on
4: right. the whole
7: week before that game is everybody was ready and so the the police wouldn 't even allow us to get close to each other after the games and I was very concerned about it one i didn 't want anybody to get hurt, but from a coaching standpoint in the in the state of Tennessee, if you get thrown out of a game for fighting you 're suspended for two games, so if you know if twenty of the kids got in a fight, right you know and have a team to play the next two weeks and so it's just from a coaching standpoint, from a mentoring standpoint, all kinds of things. It was probably a good decision on the police's, on the on the on the police's part not to let us shake hands. And I
4: saw how you in the final throws of that game went to everybody's keep your keep your chin straps on, do not do anything stupid. Do we've not, been take bottled a knee. and rocked before in that <laughs>
7: neighborhood, and right? Um, Fortunately, nobody ever got hurt. Maybe a window broken out of a bus or something, but it you know that was a emotionally charged game that we were. Well, you'll have to see the movie to understand how it comes out, but I mean it was there was just an enormous amount of motion leading up to that game for a week. There was an enormous amount of motion in that game i kind of I kind of prepped the team for that game in terms of you know it's almost a good versus evil kind of thing. We're trying to do things the right way. I didn't think they did things the right way, and you know in the end our we're pretty matched up physically uh Evenly, mm-hmm. and I just felt like a character and discipline in the end would win out in that in that matchup, and um, and I just didn't
4: want the excitement of that even evening to end on a bad note. Of course, and and because uh, it's interesting because it is just a game, right? It when is. it all just comes down to it, but. The part of this film that really blows blows me away, and blow, will no doubt blow anybody who who sees this away, is that this game it's just a game, <laughs> but it is saving lives. the, you the know, fact that this game exists and your program was that existing. that is
7: that is humbling, and I'm I'm honored for you to say that, but respectfully, I I disagree with you. Um, I felt like. If we instill character and discipline and and commitment and loyalty and honesty and selflessness and putting the team before oneself, I I don't feel like I was saving lives. I feel like I was trying to bolster fundamentals so that they could save their own lives because at the end of the day, I wasn't going to be there for them forever. And they needed to be there for themselves. So when they're forty years old and they look back on football, they remember the tackles, they remember the, the touchdowns. But more importantly, they have when they when their boss fires them, when their wife leaves them, when a children, God forbid, gets sick and and dies, are they gonna are they gonna fold up camp or are they gonna fall back on the fundamentals that they learned? So if I save their life, the next thing that hits them in the mouth when I'm not there, they're screwed. So I didn't. I didn't. I mean I really it's no false humility here. I didn't. All I did was want to give them a foundation mm-hmm. with on, on which they could
4: go save their own lives and and do things for themselves. But th- this is a program that had been losing for years. <laughs> Lots. <laughs> Lots, yeah. okay? Uh part of this film Chronicles the Season and the goal was just to win a single playoff game which the school in its what 100 plus year yeah, history a 100 years or right, so had right. never done. never Never once never so all of this through uh you're you're, that is sort of the the carrot at the end of the stick here right Mm -hmm. i mean and and through it all again even though that it would be critically important that is really low on the list of of priorities with these young men here's here's the best thing here's the best way i can explain that to
7: you tonight when you go home um stop over at Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever Sporting Goods store you got and fill a football up and get in the living room and stand on it. And I bet within 10 seconds you'll fall flat on your rear end. And if you make the foundation of what you do as a coach the football, you're going to fall on your end. If you make the foundation, character, commitment, discipline, and all of the tenets that we talk about, and you build from that, you can hold 100 footballs in there as long as you want to. So the, the, the playoff game and the winning seasons and turning the program around and bringing kids in is not about X's and O's in football because if that's what it's about, you're fundamentally, you're you're fundamentally deficient. If, if you make it about the character and commitment, all the things that you want to grow young men to be, then the football will come. And so that's what it's
4: about. I'm sure a lot of fans might be hearing this, maybe some coaches are are hearing this right How This all sounds really good. And then you see, in in all seriousness, it sounds really good. You see it in the film, you see it work. It's clearly working. How do you make it work? Certainly when there are a lot of hard heads you are trying to crack. And there are a lot of moments in the film where you are exasperated. Walk it. You are are in the car going home. Walk it. What does it mean? Walk it. it. If you're going to say it, walk it. Kids are
7: unbelievably, uh, I mean, they're, they're unbelievable, good judge of character. And if they're just their lives and there's, and it's, and their simplicity, um, and, and the, and, and the age that's not on them, allow them to look at things for what they are. And if you talk all this stuff and then go live another way, you're just another sellout. You're just, you're just another joke. You're just another, like everybody else, but you do this consistently. You say it every day and then you walk it and you live it Mm -hmm. and you show how those things changed my life for me when I was a young man and allowed me to have a, 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 four children and a wife and a beautiful family and a business because I walked it and I live it daily. Then you, then you can be an example for them, but you have to be consistent and you have to walk it. And if you walk it, they'll follow it. If you don't, then it's just a bunch of crap they're going to stand on a knee and listen
4: to at the end of practice and go do whatever they want to do. But there are moments in the film as well. um, There's one character, Chavis Mm -hmm. Daniels, who comes back after, I guess, a 15 month stay in a uh, juvenile detention center, Mm -hmm. comes back and he's you're throwing him back on the team Mm -hmm. and he immediately gets into fights, including with with an angel on your team. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, he was th- this kid uh, money nobody down. on that team had wings well, I- <laughs> I love that. But in terms of the, what this 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 young man money in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you immediately you immediately root for him. OK, yeah. you immediately. And again, I don't want to give away his story and how, and how it works yeah. in it, because that is truly one of the more moving moments of the film is how mm-hmm. his story winds up. Yeah. Um, but he immediately slaps him in a meeting, in a team meeting in front of the whole team. And you as a coach are now faced. I was sitting and in, in watching this. I'm like, wow. OK, I want to see how Coach Courtney handles this one. Because here comes a kid who just comes in, sort of dropped into the scene. Obviously, the the young men on your team know who he is and know what his background is. But he's dropped into the mix. Chemistry is huge. How you handled this moment could could have, in my, way, in my view, could have tilted the entire direction of your team if you didn't handle this moment right. What are you thinking when you see this right in the middle of your... Meeting room, right in the middle well, of I mean, your team. The, the
7: gravity of all that didn't weigh on me at that particular time. I had, I had a kid acting out, being a complete jerk, and I had a kid getting, um, getting hit for no reason. And then I had verbal stuff and the whole thing. And and the immediate reaction to it is one, stop it, and two, discipline it, and and three. Make it right between the two kids. And I mean, look, I mean, we can take this an, a whole nother direction, but I will just say this um, uh, forgive your trespasses and forgive those who trespass against you. And um, that is also a fundamental tenet that I live my life by and expect those kids to live their life by. And so, you know, it takes some time to forgive, but to forgive, Forgiveness has to be asked for, and it took Chavis a long time to get there. But had we just thrown him off the team what what lesson does he learn what how does he get how does he get better from this if If we throw him off the team, how does money get better for this because money needs to understand what it is to have a forgiving heart, and there 's there 's just too much. Invested in, in the moral fiber of these two kids to let that situation be anything more than what it was, which was a misstep that's going to get punished, that's mm-hmm. going to get disciplined, but we're going to learn from it. and And it takes a big man to ask for forgiveness, and it takes a big man to forgive. Small men can harbor grudges forever. And you know, we talked about that a lot, and it eventually came around. But I mean. Yeah, but I wouldn't have handled that differently with those two kids than any other two kids on the team. That's just how, in my mind,
4: right? It's pretty simple. That's how you do it. But do you ever doubt what you're doing at any point? Do you ever sit there and think, "Am I doing the right thing?" Cause sure, be-
7: sure. There's there's no there's no manual. And, um,
4: sound like parenting, you know what I mean? It it is. It it (laughs) absolutely is. Cause I've heard that I've got two young kids at home. I've heard that a lot. Hey, there's no manual, you know, it is. And, and look,
7: I'm, (laughs) I am, we're all failed, all of us. And I am no moral authority by any means and do terrible things on a daily basis that I'm ashamed of. And, you know, so, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, you, I think – don't you doubt yourself sometimes?
4: Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, well, I'm wondering uh, if I'm asking you the right questions right now. You know, because I want to make sure that, that that everybody at home understands what's going on. But, it, yeah, I mean, obviously there are some times when – I'm on live TV or anything, but I'm not, you know, what I'm going to do, whether Dion Sanders is set up appropriately to give yeah, his well, analysis or Michael Irvin gets his world. say but in, in the B block sure. doesn't, does not, in my mind, you know, equate to the weight of what your words mean. <laughs> oh, to I mean, I appreciate
7: that, but that's, that's your world. And of course you and, and of course I doubt. And of course I wonder, and I'll I look back on things, both. X's and O's and on the field-wise and mm-hmm. off the field. I mean, all of it, sure. I mean, look, here's the deal. You take a piece of paper and you draw a line down the middle of it. You put the pluses on the left side and the negatives on the right side. If the negatives outweigh the pluses and you find that a failure, working with these kids will eat you alive. You will become an alcoholic and jump off a bridge. All right? <laughs> right what you have to understand is the negatives are inherent and going to be there and you can't do anything about them. But those few pluses allow you to exact some measure of change. And that's good enough.
2: Wow. I mean, pretty uh, powerful stuff. And that's only a portion of it too. I mean, they go on for a little while longer and then the director, Dan Lindsay comes in and joins.
1: Yeah. If you haven't seen the undefeated, it's on Netflix. Reach out. Uh, watch it. it. It's guaranteed a worthwhile two hours. And it, and it will – people say this all the time. It will change your life. It, it's that good. It's that powerful, man.
2: It tugs on the heartstrings for sure.
1: See, seeing this guy at the Oscars, because I was there that year, um, him walking the red carpet with Puff Daddy <laughs> is yeah. is one of the most – Kind of surreal moments, I'm sure, in his own life, Bill Courtney, a guy who never thought that he'd ever, you know, be on a Hollywood stage, so to speak, was awesome. Um, We talked to uh, Harvey Weinstein that year about about Undefeated. We tried to get – we tried to get Puff Daddy. Kevin Fraser hung us out to dry. He said he was going to send Puff Daddy down and Bill Courtney when he was done with them to us. Because
2: Puff Daddy was one of the produ- Puff Daddy was an executive as a, producer, as, a producer. Ex-
1: as an executive producer. That's why he was uh, yeah. he was there. But and they ended up winning just 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 remarkable, a remarkable doc.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, definitely seek that out. Listen to the rest of the interview. It's it's i i think certainly worthwhile um just an update on coach courtney i think uh i think he actually says it in the latter part of the interview but he he that was his last year at manassas he went on to another school in the in the Memphis school district i think they were runner up his first year as uh state champions and they won it his second year and then as of last he uh he quit coaching high school and went and coached his uh eighth, his son's eighth grade football team and it looks like he just uh he just wrote a book as well with uh, Phil jackson writing the forward. Wow. So things are going going pretty well for him. Um, up next, kind of shifting now to, to, to Peter Berg, kind of still staying on that focus of um, kind of youth football, Um Pete Peterberg is obviously a well-known Hollywood director, um, actor as well. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites of all time, *Aspen Extreme*. He played uh, Dexter Rutucky.
1: Of course. Yeah,
2: you know I was going. You are
1: there. you are the king of loving terrible movies. Oh
2: please, that's a phenomenal movie. Uh huh. T- gosh, I, I will not have you talk about T.J. and Dexter like that. But um, he also was a part of *Friday Night Lights*. The excellent nbc series well that he was, directed the movie he, he directed, and then, yeah he directed the movie based then, off buzz bissinger's book
1: right and then it spun off into the nbc tv series to which he was an executive producer behind and he directed the first episode the pilot episode which i think is one of the greatest hours of tv ever the pilot episode of friday night lights is unbelievable
2: and i mean let's not connie Britton, amy teagarden oh, uh what was what was Jeter's
1: minka kelly Uh, saracen and street scott porter who's always here uh you know zach gilford and of course coach taylor
2: yeah so he he comes into nfl network studios um and he's got a blockbuster movie coming out he's got huge battleship
1: oh 200 million dollar movie battleship coming out
2: and he walks in and uh you know he's wearing sweatpants (laughs) sweatpants (laughs) t-shirt and hat t-shirt hat he hadn't shaved and uh you know we kind of before we get started just kind of tell him, hey you know we're gonna you know we'll talk on this we'll hit on the movie and in a polite but nonchalant way he's like i don't i don't care about the movie he's like there's more important things i want to talk about and he's a huge part of the uh what now has become the heads up football initiative but yep. essentially getting coaches certified to be able to coach people's it's, kids especially
1: youth coaches
2: yeah, or around the country because I, I think you'll hear him make the point in the interview. He he says is all you need, pretty much, is a driver's license and a nine a check for nine dollars or something like that to to be able to coach. And he witnessed uh, while scouting for Friday Night Lights, the TV show. He went to a state championship game uh, in Austin, Texas, and he witnessed a, a kid. It, to this day, when I hear think of the story, I still get chills. Um, he said fifty thousand screaming fans. He witnessed a kid break his neck on a tackle and that was the inspiration for the jason street character to uh become paralyzed in the first episode because this kid became an instant quadriplegic and then died so it's just one of those interviews that i I left just saying having such an appreciation um for, for for his storytelling ability and um just his passion and love for the game uh, in general, so here's uh, here's Peter Berg, uh, the director, um, from May 10th, 2012. Again, this is just a portion of the interview. It starts off heavy on some Friday Night Lights stuff, and then gets into uh, into some of the uh, the heads up stuff as well.
4: Uh, you you've got some uh, Friday Night Lights alums. Taylor Kitsch is in this film. Yeah. You got Landry Jesse Plemons. Yep. In R- this Landry film, and
6: right? Riggins are, are buddies and in this Riggins. film, and you know, I'm a I love both of those guys and. I love working with people over and again, over again. So as a, as a nod to all our Friday night lights fans, those guys are in action together.
4: Let me tell you something, Peter Berg about Friday night lights. I mean, I've, I've told you this off the air in the times that we we've crossed paths. Um, again, the film we, 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 we've, we've been there and done that. The television show. Uh, I don't know if we've ever discussed that is, it's a work of art. And I, 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 I truly mean this. And it's not because I'm a football guy or, you know, I talk football for a living. To me, the best scenes were between the coach and his wife, coach and his family, or the coach struggling with an idea mm-hmm. in regards to his players or his team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had the coach who was featured in the movie, uh, the Emmy, the Oscar, uh, when undefeated, he was sitting in the very chair yeah. in which you're sitting. Great, great documentary. We had him on, Coach Courtney, and... I I asked him questions that always seemed that that your coach was struggling with on the show. How do you think about stuff on the spot? How do you deal with stuff on the spot? Because you think coaches are infallible and that they know exactly where they're going with each move. And even when things happen, adversity strikes, they always know the right chord to strike. No, they don't. They don't. And to me, that's what I loved about your television show. And the chicks were hot. Obviously, that helped, too. (laughs) But, I mean, all of that together...
6: Uh, yeah, I don't I mean, even have
4: a question for you. It's no, just basically I, congratulations on that. I appreciate it, that.
6: and uh, I have to give, a. whenever someone says that, I'm quick to give credit to uh, our showrunner, Jason Kadams, who, uh, you know, is interesting, because I couldn't, I, I did the pilot, and I kind of gave birth to it, and I need someone to run it, Sure. and um, I've met with four or five guys, and... Uh, you know, they're all big football fans. and want to talk football, and and Jason Kins came in and he said, you know, I don't really like football, and I don't really follow it that closely. Is that right? Yeah. And he said, he said, I, I see this as a show about the things you're talking about, human beings, um, and what I love about the pilot. You know, I'd done this pilot. Is I, you know, I get the football and I appreciate it, but but my strength will be bringing humanity to it and bringing um, trying to find the truth in those moments of, you know, moments of failure because, you know, Buzz Bissinger's book was about failure more more than more than victory, certainly. And then finding the grace and the nobility and the, the humanness in failure was kind of what I, what I liked about the book. And Kadem's was the one that, you know, demonstrated an understanding of that. And I think that's kind of a lot of what you're talking about.
4: And the, just the way you also uh, kept the show alive. It just seemed that the... The the stars were very rarely aligned for this show. Yeah, it, we didn't.
6: We just refused to quit. You know that when when the, because we suffered from you know ra- ratings from the get go, but we had such a rabid fan base. And you know the 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 interesting thing about television today is you know with Hulu and with with um, Tivo and you know some other ways of recording shows, it's very hard to gauge how many people are ever watching anything. And we knew that more people were watching the show. We could tell just from you know, I could tell from walking through an airport and the amount of encounters I had um, with people wanting to talk about the show and, you know, parents thanking me for giving them a way to talk to their children about sex or drugs or racism or, you know, any, any issues that that, you know, normal parents. Violence, have with their kids. Yeah. all
4: sorts of uh, issues were raised in this television show through the prism of of a, a small town and and football and what football meant to this small town. How 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 many real life experiences were woven into this show, do
6: well, um, you think? I mean, a lot. You know, the the main one being um, uh, quarterback getting paralyzed in the in the the very first show, which was based upon uh, you know an experience that when we I, I something I experienced when we were making the film, uh, Friday Night Lights. We would film real high school football games, and we were in Austin filming a game between uh, Austin Westlake, which is a 5A powerhouse high school football team and a team from um, San Antonio, San Antonio-Madison. And in the fourth quarter of that game, a young cornerback, David Edwards, left his feet, lowered his head, and tackled a receiver, a kid named Koyani. And David Edwards shattered his two vertebrates in his neck and became Mm. an instant quadriplegic. And that was a life-changing experience for me. And that was really what motivated the the desire to make the television show. And so the— Jason Street storyline, a young quarterback, the QB1. having QB one, having everything, and, and shattering his neck was you know all based on something that mm. I had really seen and uh, has since become you know, a, a, a life changing experience for me.
4: Yeah, and you're and you are. Let's get to this right now. Then um, you, because we can revisit the the battleship and the TV show in a, in a minute. You are currently right now um, a, a part of a movement to I guess teach young kids get them really early mm-hmm. at the pop Warner level how to tackle yes that that is one of the things that you were dealing with. can you explain to people right. what this is all so, about, so
6: after I saw David Edwards um, you know, break his neck, get paralyzed, and then eventually die at the age of 16. I became very f- close with a group called Gridiron Heroes, which is out of Texas. Uh, it's a father-son, Chris and Eddie Canales. Chris Canalis was paralyzed in high school, um, and, and he was from San Antonio uh, also. And he, they've sort of made it their life's work to bring attention to the to catastrophic spinal cord injuries, and that's something I got very became very involved in and met. Dozens of young high school age boys who've become quadriplegics from playing football. Um, and that then led to they also work with concussions and people have suffered brain injuries. And uh, I
4: couldn't you know, be more, I guess, current topic no, in the NFL it right couldn't.
6: now. And so um, as my son, who's now 12 and a huge football fan, got closer to. He'd been playing flag football. He got closer to the tackle level, and he finally said, "Okay, I'm ready, Dad. I want to play tackle football." I was literally paralyzed with indecision, and I couldn't. i having seen so much um, uh, this tra- tragedy, uh, spinal cord and, and concussion, concussive injury, whether it's Jim McMahon um, uh, and or, you know, or David Edwards. You know, I've seen so so much of of this of, of, the, of this problem has, has really resonated personally to me, I, I was, I didn't know how I could let my son play football. And, and I was not sure whether I was going to until I found out, uh, there was a guy named Bobby Hosea who is becoming more popular, who along with LeVar Arrington, they're both have both kind of said, sort of said, look, we, we feel that we, there's no one single, you know, one single game changing solution to this problem. Uh-huh. But we, but they felt that a big part of the solution is if you look at What's happening at the entry levels of USA football, Pop Warner football? You get eight-year-old kids who are being, you know, brought in. They want to play tackle football, and they have coaches who basically are, you know, the the requirements for being a coach today for Pee Wee football is you get a fingerprint. If you don't have a felony, okay, you're in. You're you in. don't have to demonstrate anything other than you know you can love to play Madden and fantasy football. You have no felonies. You are now responsible for eight, nine, ten-year-old boys. And these kids have no fundamental training in the physics of how to tackle.
4: So luck of the draw, whether you get a coach who knows what he is doing, or yes. she is doing, and or, or, or not. It's a complete random, as long as they have no
6: felony. That's correct. They're in. And parent, it's, you know, people have made the comparison. It's kind of like, okay, a kid goes and joins the Army. There's no basic training. There's no boot camp. There's no weapons training. You join the Army, you're given a gun, you're given a radio, a helmet, and you're fighting. Go. Go. And, you know, that, and, and as a result, kids physically do not understand the, the mechanics of how to tackle. It's not that they're, they're lowering their heads to be vicious. They're lowering their heads because it's easier for a young body to bend at the waist rather than dip at the hips. It's easier when a kid gets nervous to lower his head. And that's how the great majority of the concussions and spinal cord injuries are happening. People are lowering their heads. They're bending at the waist.
2: So... I mean that's just a portion, and they they go on for quite a while longer, um, but you can just you can just tell that that it's a guy that cares, and and obviously the story he told, as I mentioned at the
1: top, he is without a doubt <clears throat> one of the most intense individuals I've ever met.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean when this guy gets behind a cause that he believes in. There's no stopping him, and, and you've seen it with the heads-up football. It, it, it's incredible.
2: And obviously, he's a guy too that that has that cares about causes. We, you, and I went to see a movie, Lone Survivor, together. We did. We, we were hoping to get Peter back on, uh, as well as some of the cast for that show, for that movie. Um, so we went to a screening of Lone Survivor, and I mean that movie about a, a war veteran who I mean, everyone everyone knows the story, but uh, a. a A group of soldiers, four soldiers who go into the Afghan mountains pretty much, and, you know, one guy comes out. And just the way it was shot, the intensity in which it was shot, the way he used veterans in the movie and throughout, like he did with Battleship, um, definitely a guy we root for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, you know, Peter Burke's doing a project, you know what you're going to get, and you know it's going to be worth checking out.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I know we said also uh, we were going to get to the one of the ones that I think has been the most impactful, and we've gotten some of the most response for it, which is Brian Banks. But uh, A, a we're, we're running a little long, and, and B, it falls into that category of even even spending three minutes on it or five minutes on it, you need to listen to the entire interview.
1: It's one of those stories you need to hear beginning to end, not just a clip of.
2: Yeah, so... Again, for anyone that's kind of newer to the podcast, uh, last June 25th, we had Brian Banks on. Um, Brian Banks, it was the uh, wrongfully accused uh, high school football player at uh, Long Beach Cal Poly. Same school that Willie McGinnis went to, same school that Deshaun Jackson went to, uh, just down the road from us here uh, in, in Los Angeles. And he was uh, falsely accused of rape and imprisoned for five years and then parole for another five And the California Innocence Project just got him off um, and cleared his name last year. Uh, Actually, about two years ago now. He had a tryout with the Seahawks. Didn't work out. Came back on board with the Falcons last year. Made it through camp. um, And then eventually did get cut after we had him on our show. Uh, But he's got a movie in the works with Spielberg. Um,
1: He's doing the speaking tour circuit. I mean, this guy's story is... It's, it's beyond powerful. It, uh, it, it got a little dusty in here and it also gets you angry, yeah. uh, that, that, uh, you know, the legal system could do someone so wrong. And
2: I thought Rich did a great, a great job handling the interview too, because no question, you know, we had, we had notes and we had some stuff worked out for him, but we also learned a lot during that interview yeah. that we had no idea. And I don't, that's, that's again where we've talked about it a lot, but where the podcast medium comes into play because the 60 minutes piece that was on him was phenomenal, but it was 10 minutes long. Right. Any other interview he does anywhere else, it's 10, maybe 15 minutes. You know, we talked to him for over an hour and, uh, you know, I think we got a little bit more out of the story than you, you're going to get most places, but, um, definitely s- seek that out. We're not going to play any portion of it now. But, what was uh, the date on that law? Well. June 25th of, uh, 2013. And, um, yeah, special thanks to his agents Ryan and Bruce Tolner, who also rep uh, Big Ben, who helped help make that one happen. But um, we'll shift gears a little, kind of make the hard the hard right hand turn from uh, you know, we kind of got a little serious there with Coach Courtney and with Peter Berg and with uh, with Brian Banks. But um, uh, do you know who our most frequent guest on the podcast has been?
1: Uh, probably Hank Azaria
2: yeah it, it, Jeff Schaefer and Hank I, I think are one or one two okay and uh, Hank Hank himself has only been on the episode uh, on our show three times as himself okay uh, as actual that, Hank Azaria as Hank Azaria right. he's been on eight times as, as the Jim Brockmeyer.
1: Jim Brockmeyer. oh my god Jim Brockmeyer. two
2: seasons ago we used to do um, uh, plays of the month every month with him uh, this past year we took him to Super Bowl he interviewed Berman but uh The last time that Hank was on as Hank, uh, July 22nd, 2013, my birthday, uh, he was in to promote Smurfs 2. And Rich asked him to tell the story. uh, He asked him to tell two stories, but one of the ones was uh, from the movie Heat that he shot with Pacino.
1: And the other story was from Mystery Alaska with... uh with, uh, Burt, with Burt Reynolds and Russell Crowe, and that he could not tell on air. And
2: he almost, he, he's like, hold on, let me think if there's a way, and then he can't tell it. He wanted not.
1: to tell it, but he couldn't tell it. He told us it off air, and it's an amazing story. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm sorry, you can't hear it. Yeah, we're, 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 <laughs> but, we're, we're sorry. But the Heat story is second to none.
2: But the Heat story is good, and do us a favor, because I, I didn't realize this either, after you listen to the Heat story, uh, Google it. Google the scene, and you can see the video. Yeah, and it complements it. It complements it so well. But uh, this is Hank Azaria from his uh, his appearance on July 22nd. It's just a short little uh, about three minute clip, and he's telling this uh, this great Pacino story. Actually, it's about four minutes. Here's Hank Azaria.
4: I want to ask you these two questions, and and, and you tell me if you're comfortable. Can you tell us the story from Heat? Can you tell that story uh, on this podcast? Can you tell that story of you doing the scene with Al Pacino
8: in Heat? Yeah, I, I could probably get tell about eighty-three percent of can it. Can you tell the eighty-three yeah, percent? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can tell that you're in the film Heat. Um, I think I've told it elsewhere. I think
4: you have, uh, but this is this is be, many people have seen this film, obviously. Yes, it's seen a, the it's scene a classic, in, which, in which you're you're in with Pacino,
8: with Al Pacino. Yeah, right. Will you please tell the story of, sure, of that scene? Sure, in your... Rich eyes. I'll tell. That story, um, very excited. Doing a scene with Al Pacino where he's interrogating me in the movie Heat. Of course, a uh, little, a uh, little um, uh, tidbit, mm-hmm. uh, trivia sideline here. It, it was is. both our. We both have the same birthday, April twenty fifth. Hey, and it was, uh, it was our birthday. Okay. And I remember this it was my thirtieth birthday and I actually shot twenty four hours this day. I shot all night on heat and then I went and shot all day on the birdcage next day. Oh, but that's fantastic. So that's wow. kind of an amazing. So you went, fact, from, <laughs> Richard, you went wow. from that to being Agador Spartacus. I did. Okay. <laughs> what a birthday. <laughs> it was a crazy thirtieth birthday. So there I'm doing the scene with Al and he's amazing. And uh um he's you know he's with with Michael Mann who directed it if you do one take you do like 90 you do a lot of takes of things and it leaves a lot of room for Al to play around and improvise and go crazy and I was very if I, if I were to do that scene now mm-hmm. as an experienced veteran actor I would just kind of <laughs> keep up with Al and improvise them but I was nervous and he's Al Pacino you're 30 I didn't want to step on anybody's toes the sure. directors the writers or Al's and it's like I, 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 I said to Michael Mann should I should I you know be batting the ball back with Al and he, he thought about it for a second and went Nah, just just say what's written. Let Al, let Al do it. And um, so I'm not improvising at all. I'm just kind of sticking to the script while Al mm-hmm. kind of does his thing. Um, and uh, so Al has a line. I say to Al, oh, why would I get mixed up with this stupid bitch? Which is kind of a rhetorical question. Mm -hmm. And Al answers, his character answers, because she's got a great ass, and Mm -hmm. you've got your head all the way up it. And on most takes, he would just say that. But on a certain take, and you might want to adjust the volume here, (laughs) stuttering John. On... uh, on one of the takes, Al just right in my face went like this: "Because she's got a grin ass, and you got your head all the way up it," which scared the Jesus out of me. Scared the BG. It's amazing. Literally, though, right? I, I mean, it terrified me. Not. I don't mean terrified my character in the movie. I mean terrified me, thirty-year-old, he- thirty-year-old Hank Azaria. I was frightened, and uh, not acting at all. I went. Jesus, As I said, Jesus, which is not scripted. <laughs> and uh, Al improvised off of that. He went, I'm sorry. Something happens to me when I think about a woman's ass or whatever he said after that. <laughs> and, of course, the one line that I ad-libbed that entire night made it into the film. It made it in. Yes, because I wasn't acting at all. I was so just when people watch Heat and hear you say. Yes. You'll see Al scream that line and you'll see me. I'm off camera, but you'll hear me say, Jesus. <laughs> And I'm watching is,
2: it right now <laughs> and the reaction on your face is Right. Personal. Well your
1: expression is natural,
8: right? Well you know what, you don't see me say Jesus, you just right. hear it. Right. In but in the, the expression
1: when he says Oh they, then well they then when cut they away. cut back to me, right. I am
8: absolutely Look, I don't know which take out of the 94,000 we <laughs> shot they used, <laughs> but I am I'm probably it's one where I am genuinely terrified about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorites. And and um
4: can you tell the Mystery Alaska story? I cannot. You cannot no. tell that story? <laughs> no. Okay.
8: No, no. Next. <laughs> Next.
1: Oh. What is the context behind that? Story? I, I don't want to say. I'm not going to go. Um, no, I really, I, I, I can't.
8: Have... It's be too talking out of school. There's other people who'd be angry at me okay. if I did. I don't want to do that. Uh, That's why I, I need I to. I know it's good stuff. But I you... wish I. I hate that I can't. Yeah, that is
4: truly one of my all-time favorites.
8: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Let me just go through the. Let me process go the, the DNA of it. Go through the DNA and see if DNA. I can tell any portion of it. <laughs> no, I. I can't.
1: You can't share. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean. Gosh, I could listen to Hank tell stories for days. Oh, man. I mean, and Heat, oh, gosh, that's one of those movies. You talk about Battleship, good, bad movie. Heat, great, awesome movie that is so rewatchable. That's the thing. You can pick it up at any given moment if you're just flipping around and it happens to be on TV. And you're just locked in. You're locked in for the for the duration of the movie, no matter what point it is.
2: I want to say off the top of my head, I think he came out in '95. I'm not sure. I don't think I've seen that movie since probably '99. No way. I need to go back and, and watch. I own it on DVD too. He came out in '95. '95, yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure that I've seen Heat within the last month on TV somewhere, and I'm just I just happen to be flipping Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer, uh, Tom Sizemore. Obviously, Pacino yeah. and De Niro. Um, yeah, I gotta. I gotta. President, President Palmer,
2: ah, uh, Dennis, Dennis Hastert. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta watch it, that it again. I gotta watch it again. I mean, I I remember Hank. It. I, I remember
6: it.
1: Uh, Ashley Judd. Oh, yeah. uh, who else? Danny Trejo is in it. Oh, wow. Uh, it's just it's so remarkable. I can't believe you've. It's been 15 years since you've seen that movie.
2: I gotta. I gotta watch it. Maybe that's. I've got a four-day weekend coming up. Might, <laughs> might get to it this week. Oh, you
1: get a four-day weekend? Yeah, Friday's a holiday. Oh, well, I'll be here working here at NFL Network. Oh, no, well, you're getting... You're getting no and one... I'll be here on Monday. So, a regular two-day weekend Oh, wow.
2: You're here on Monday?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: What are you doing here on Monday?
1: No rest for the wicked, my friend.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, well, while we've been kind of going through some of this, not not any major news, but uh, the, the PAT for preseason uh for the hall of fame game in the first two weeks of the of the regular sea or the first two weeks of preseason uh, they're moving it back to the 15 yard line
1: so, so they're going to snap it from the 15 so to, that essentially it's going to be a 33 yard extra point
2: not going to make it a chip shot so that that that's good but although
1: percentages on 33 yard field goals are probably what 95% probably a chip shot yeah pretty much unless of course who is the Billy cundiff yeah, who Billy, is it Billy cundiff, Billy cundiff it for is kicking the, ravens, the last second <laughs> in the championship game i can't wait to be trolled by ravens fans after that
2: I know. bring it on ravens fans oh, get boy. a real kicker so we're going to wrap this up with uh, one last one last little clip here uh, as i mentioned hank's been the, the most frequent guest on the podcast his jim jim Brockmeyer uh, character has been on eight times.
1: Seek out those videos too. Those are uh, yeah. on NFL.com. You go,
2: to, you go to NFL.com and you just search Jim Brockmeyer, or you just go to Google, uh, type in NFL.com space Jim Brockmeyer. Uh, all all of his uh, video archives will come up.
1: The one and, from Media Day this year that yeah. that we threw together for the TV show. I mean, is the
2: audio's hilarious. But one the, of my The favorites. video supplementing it. Always Having helps the video too. to go
1: along and just seeing the look on Chris Berman's face. <laughs> Him not having any clue who Hank is or what this character is, and then him repeatedly looking at his watch, and finally just being, I gotta go. I gotta go. I, I, I gotta go. <laughs> and Hank's like, okay, thanks. Thank
2: you. Uh, so here it is. This is Jim Brockmeyer dating back, uh, man, I, I want to say all the way back to uh, the first time we had him on was- 2011. It was I think late 2010. Even it might have been 2011. I'll have to double check that. But here's the best of uh, Jim Brockmire.
4: Your legendary career, sadly, coming to uh, a screeching halt a few years ago, and the "Funnier Die" video about your life helped really put you back on the map. I just have to ask you the question right off the bat about your ex-wife, which is what really sent you <laughs> into
8: a tizzy on the air a few years ago. Is everything all right? Those dark days are uh, are in my past. I am very sorry to my ex-wife. I apologize, Lucy, for. All the names that I called you publicly, only only about 95% of those were were accurate. I don't know where I got some of that stuff. I called her a bourbon street trumpet, which is just ridiculous because she's never even been in New Orleans. <laughs> Let's see if the Steelers run that special deflection play to Franco Harris they've been working on in practice all week. all drops back, he throws, the ball bounces, and it works to perfection. Oh, and Harris, Bubba, Bubba, Benny, and the Jets himself down the sideline for the score. I
4: had no idea. You saw the Immaculate Reception play in practice?
8: I saw practice that week. They were trying to work that out. They had Bradshaw throwing throwing that ball mm-hmm. at everything, like at benches, at seats, at uh, passing uh, dogs that were passing, at lockers. Let's see how the bounce would go. They had uh, a plan for almost every possible trajectory contingency, and it paid off for them. Alright, here's Sam Bradford throwing a Cadillac Williams, who doesn't seem to realize it's a backward pass. That is a live football, and the Giants Michael Boley picks it up and returns it for the touchdown. Then watch this. He tries to fire it into a wall, but in Intern Marsha Brady's face gets in the way, you know. In my day, an intern had to know how to duck, otherwise Cosell would nail him right in the kisser with a tumbler full of Canadian whiskey. I do love watching T. V. play. I gotta say, he just he combines all oh, the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis, and um, he is a good kid though. He he's right. got he does have uh, uh, everything uh, you want in a franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. except for accuracy, of course, and uh, and footwork. And uh, I guess ball security, too. He doesn't have that.
4: Right. And also
8: the ability to uh, read an NFL defense or just to take a snap under center. He's got none of that. But other than that, he's you know what, He he's a, he's a nice kid and a good-looking kid. Right. Here's another kickoff. Mark Mariani of the Titans attempts to return, but look who makes the tackle, Texans kicker near Rackers. And then Rackers celebrates like he single handedly won World War II or something. I tell you what, only a kicker would throw himself a sideline party for making a tackle. I mean, you're a football player, sir. That is your job. You don't hear me celebrating the sound of my own amazing voice, do you? I, 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 it makes me sick. Can I just say it? I'm choking on my own bile, Rich Eyes, and I hate kickers. Careful. No, I can't stand them. I hate I hate anybody who kicks anything. I hate soccer players, anybody. Francis the Mule, uh, anyone who kicked a habit. I hate kickers. I think they should be drummed out of the human race. I had an <laughs> altercation, a bit of a bit of a tiff with brent musburger about 15 years ago i still want to kill the guy i you think he watches this show you think so oh i'm sure hey brett where was my camera right there hey musburger you watching this thing (laughs) because if you are you see me crossing the street you better go the other way pal because i will fish hook that smug look right off of your face Wow. And how long does this go back? Musburger and I got an argument over the proper pronunciation of uh, the legendary first baseman Kent Hurbeck. Kent Herbeck. <laughs> Okay? How to pronounce his name. How do you pronounce? the, the fo- Kent Hurbeck. The... Ryan Fitzpatrick tosses a touchdown to David Nelson, who then jogs over and gives the ball to his cowboy cheerleader girlfriend. Hey, David, here's some free advice. Don't volunteer to give them your okay? My ex-wife still has mine, and it's the reason I scream into a pillow every night before I go to bed. And did you know that it's almost impossible to get tear stains out of Egyptian cotton? If you're winning ugly, you cannot stop winning, Rich Eisen, because then you're just ugly. You know, it's like that actor Steve Buscemi. You know, he's a wonderful actor, a big star, got his own lovely uh, TV series on HBO, but if he did not have success as an actor, he would just be weird snaggletooth Steve, the, the really too intense guy at the you see at the office. You got a monkey riding a dog while being chased by a goat. Now, normally, I have to go to one of those small Matt Damon-owned zoos to watch three animals get to meet at the same time, but instead, I get it during this very cost-effective Denver Broncos halftime show. Hey, maybe next season they can have a tuxedoed orangutan smoking a cigar or something at the coin flip and just, you know, go full redneck circus on us.
4: Where'd you watch the game?
8: We rented a, uh, a baseball stadium. You know I love baseball. Yes, it's I my do my first we, oh. I'm a jumbotron. No, we no. watched it. And what a group of people. We had Eddie Mecca from Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> <Yeah>. Lola <laughs> Falana was there. She was my date for the evening. <laughs> do you know that I broke up with Joe Heatherton to be with Lola Falana? No, I, didn't I did. That's Jim. what happened. Well, wow, those were the days. That was last Tuesday. <laughs> You mean those of the day? All right, I'm excited for this one, Rich Eisen. Here is Billy Cundiff as he sets up a 32-yard field goal to send the AFC Championship game to overtime. Okay, center of the field could not be easier, right? Oh no 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 no! Mama bake a pie and give it to Grandpa because Cundiff gagged and pushed it wide left. I was ecstatic. All right. I had to consult my doctor because Cundiff's miskick kick gave me an a- that lasted more than four hours.
2: <laughs> and on that note We can't say erection on this show. Uh I I think in you can just say the word uh, Okay, but, but, but in that context in that context I don't think you can say Oh,
1: interesting. I don't know if I just got bleeped. And but, it's always Oh my gosh. I could listen to Hank do do Brockmeyer.
2: Uh well that, that that was fun i mean i i think you know a you forget about some of this stuff and b yeah a, no question hopefully people enjoyed um either anyone that's new to the show that may not have heard some of that old stuff they'll go back and listen to it or uh just maybe some of the, the behind the scenes kind of stories we were able to fill in on, on yeah some speaking of, the
1: of uh speaking of latex how's that uh website coming with all the archives
2: Oh well, good, better news. We don't, we didn't need to archive them. We, oh, uh, okay. We, we got a, uh, we we changed uh, s- storage and RSS feeds. You can only have so much, right? We were able to change some stuff around where uh, we didn't have to create a secondary uh, archived uh, li- uh, Rich Eisen Libsyn rss podcast feed which everything i just said probably nobody understands
1: but that, <laughs> i don't even understand i'm sitting
2: right here but uh yeah you're only allowed so much data storage so we were able to finagle some stuff around and uh get get some extra so nothing storage. got deleted nothing's deleted everything's back up we had to take about 100 episodes offline for a month um, and now they're all back up. Oh, so. great!
1: So people can really go back into the archives without yeah,
2: people can go f- uh, navigating
1: f- to another site,
2: the full way back and uh, and get anything they want. Episode
1: one with Dan Patrick and Ray Lewis.
2: Yeah, episode one, DP and Ray Lewis. I believe that this. Uh, I'll get you a count on the episode here in just one second. Um, this has got
1: to be three fifth three something. No, we're in the
2: upper twos. Um, we are at this is two seventy four. Two seventy four. This will be episode two seventy four. My so, lucky number. Yeah, back next week though. As we said, uh, Jerry Ferrara in studio. We're efforting uh, one of the uh, one of the higher selected draft picks from the two thousand fourteen NFL draft.
1: Excellent. And
2: uh, the man himself, Rich, will be back in studio as well next week. But uh, that's all I got, Brock. Can you get an international shout out?
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, you could if you want to tap dance for a second. Law. Yeah,
2: I will actually. I uh, I wanted to give a shout out to um, the Undisputed podcast folks down in. in uh, in New Zealand.
1: Oh, I did their podcast. Were you just on? Yeah, they
2: had me on uh, before the draft. They had me on. Those guys are great. Um, Big
1: Rams fans.
2: Yeah, well, Eagles and, and Rams fans. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I uh, did another podcast. Uh, you remember I met the guy, um, uh, James Dixon, who... Uh,
1: yeah we, he emailed us talking about his uh his weight loss yeah, and he was running a
2: marathon yeah ran a marathon got engaged I, uh him and will uh they do uh the tuesday morning podcast the tuesday morning uk podcast i did that today so oh nice shout out to those guys for having me on and talked about my trip over there that is coming up uh in late august so sweet thanks to them
1: Uh, International shout out this week. I can't remember if I did this guy last week. I don't think so.
2: You did Slovenia last week.
1: Yeah, okay, good, great. I got Randy Nason, at Randy Nason. He says, traveling through Albania, listening to Monday's episode. This was a couple couple weeks ago with the goods and Tracy Morgan. Of course, I love this. Go Pats. Hashtag international shout out. Thanks, Randy, and thank you to all of you who listen to this wonderful program
2: awesome that'll do it for us uh for at chris law that is at chris brockman for at the eyes and podcast we'll see you next week guys did you just shout
1: out yourself first that's right peace out oh, yeah. stay listening